I just feel special being here. Oh my god. I just feel Let's tingly all go. over all of a sudden. Or is that the special stuff that you've given me? It's special stuff. It's that's Weller. You said Weller stuff, so Buffalo Trace, brother. Thank you, sir. And I brought you some smoke wagon because I feel like that's my favorite thing with barbecue. So I figured I gotta let the barbecue master have some mm. smoke wagon. Mm. I like it. Are we good? We we live? We are live. We are live. All right, awesome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Common Sense the Podcast. Sorry about that. I didn't realize we were live yet. Biz dropped it on me real fast there because I was giving him shit because it was already six o'clock. So that's my bad. That's my bad. But welcome to the show. We're glad you guys are back for another episode. Common Sense, where we talk about people's life journeys, their stories, and how they've navigated life, their ups, their downs, so that hopefully you don't have to make the same mistakes because everybody gains common sense by making mistakes, having failures, hearing about other people's failures, and being able to move past that. So I have one of my really good friends. If you've ever had barbecue at my house short of one time when he was out of town that I didn't personally make... This guy made the barbecue. Welcome to the show, Mark Sharon. Thank you for letting me out of your garage. Yeah, man. <laughs> this time you are out of the garage. So in public again. It feels good. Yeah, yeah. Fresh air. So Mark owns Sharon My Meat. That's right. You guys can look him up. He has Facebook page, Instagram. Y'all saw the dope picture. I mean, like that picture of him holding up the massive T bones on my heck yeah on my uh, page this week that he sent me to show. I mean, dude, hey, listen, that's a dope picture. I, I'm telling you what, man, that's a good meat pick of me. And if you want to see a meat pick of me, I will gladly share one with you. And I think you will be impressed. Yeah, I, mean, I, I sent you that one first, though. You did. You sent me a lot of pictures. Nobody that I've ever invited on this show has sent me as many pictures as you did. <laughs> like I got the whole family portfolio. Like I could have shared whatever. Like. He put it all out there, folks. Thought to make it easy for you. Here's, no, you here, definitely here, made here's it what easy. I'm into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I met you through Industrial Cigars, which, you know, was great. I've got to sit and you and I have smoked several cigars together, got to sit and really chat, get to know each other. Couple, how many years now? I mean, it's been... Two, three years? At least I mean, three. We've really gotten to know each other in the last year, but I mean, we've probably known each other for two or three years. This last year has been my favorite. Yeah. I agree. I agree. 100%. And it's been my it's been my clients and stuff's favorite too because I call Mark especially when I'm in a pinch and I'm like, "Yo man, I I need some food." And he's like, "What do you want? I'm at the butcher now. I will make an order for you and I promise you I will get you whatever you need." I mean, I'm going to tell y'all right now. I'm going to let you know a secret. If you do not order his brisket bombs, when you make any order with Mark, you are effing up. I, uh, my wife has secretly hired me to try to get him to reveal his barbecue sauce. She is a strong supporter and wants me to invest money in bottling Mark's barbecue sauce because she thinks it's the best damn barbecue sauce she's ever had. Well, hey, let's do it. So, yeah. I mean, we, we need to figure that out. So It was funny to me. The sauce to me is uh, sauce to me is how I judge somebody sometimes. It's mm-hmm. like, if, you don't, if you're not going to try my meat and you're just already covering it and stuff, yeah. I'm like, no, you and I aren't going to get along. Yeah. 
You know, it's like, uh, I understand you liking the sauce and needing the sauce, and I'm okay with that. But uh, this barbecue is special, and if uh, once you put it in your mouth, you'll understand. Yeah. But most people, like, and it's funny watching them, they're like, where's the sauce? I'm like, just put it in your mouth. They're like, yeah. really? Just, just like Not this? Not many people can say that, but Mark gets away with that all hey, the listen, time. I'm a little jealous. Listen, like, it's a beautiful thing. Put my meat in your mouth. Yeah. Hey, it's a beautiful thing. Try it, try it sometime. You, you, you might be surprised. Yeah. I guarantee you're going to be surprised. <laughs> and his beans are to die for. I mean, like, my wife does not like beans of any sort, and she will eat your beans. It's it's crazy and like it's funny how like all the all like the, our wives and females and sisters and uh, they're like oh beans yeah that's not what we eat and then we're at a party and one of them gets the beans and all of a sudden it's like a bad rumor going around uh-huh. and like it's like a, a stock run like everybody hears about it and all of a sudden the, they go back to the beans gone. and the beans are gone then yeah and then nobody else gets a chance and all the women are yeah. smiling and happy eating bacon beans yeah. and just like loving life. I, I feel like that's when I make chili and I'm like asking people, do you like venison? And they're like, oh, I hate venison. I would never eat venison. I'm like, well, that chili recipe you just asked me for, that's like 98% venison. But you don't like venison, so I really don't know if I should share that recipe. So are you saying that you spring the chili on them like you, they're, they're eating venison and they don't know it? No. I, well, I make chili like a couple times a year. I'm one of those people that feel you should not eat chili or soup if it's not below, let's say, 65 degrees outside. So freezing. It's just got to be cool outside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Texas, that would be that's freezing. Te- that's Texas freezing, right? Yeah. So my my wife's just, in a cardigan at 80 degrees, 84 degrees, wearing a, is it a scarf. Yeah, yeah. I just, like, when, my pa- when my family was really poor, my dad would make big... I mean, like chef's pots that are like this tall, this big around. He'd make his famous stew. And we'd eat it that night, and then he'd freeze the rest of it. And Mm. we would eat stew or soup till it was gone. Like every meal or like every third meal? Dinner. Like that was dinner. It was like that, fish chicks, fish sticks, chicken nuggets, stuff like that. And it's just I got burnt out on soup. And to me, eating something heartfelt warmth you know soulful that is like a soup or a chili like to me it has to be cold outside Mm -hmm. otherwise i'm not touching it so i make chili a couple times a year and usually i just invite people over and we're having a poker party or something or watching football and i just put it out and people will go by and eat it and i just no one asks it's it's chili and then when they taste it they're like oh i gotta have this recipe and i'm like well do you like venison and they're like Oh, I hate venison. I'll never eat venison. I was like, well, that's what you just ate. And do they throw up immediately, or are they like, no. oh, my God. you They're like, you, wow, you. I didn't know it could be like that. All right, cool. I like that. Then you got good friends. Hmm. Like, I've had other friends, like, uh, like uh, you know, try something like, I'd never eat beef again. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You just ate, yeah. like, three pounds of beef in front of me. They're like, what do you think brisket is? I yeah. don't know. Right, it's crazy, man. And <laughs> I think you don't want to get carried away with sauce either. Like, and I, I think it's a stigmatism. Like, I would be mad too if somebody didn't try my steak or whatever without any sauce. Like, just have a bite. It's kind of like when you try bourbon. Like, try it neat once so you know what it tastes like. And then if you want to put ice or water or you want to put soda in it or however you like to drink your bourbon, then, then fine. But like, 
at least have that base level understanding of like, all right, I'm going to try it neat. I'm going to see what this is about. I feel like barbecue is the same way. Same way. You, you, but when you have a sauce that is as great as yours is, I mean, I'd be heating chicken nuggets up at night and stuff and dipping it in your barbecue sauce if I had your barbecue sauce. We for have, sure. We have another special customer that orders a lot of food. And uh, he, uh, he came over and picked up some food from us on Sunday. And uh, he straight ass told us, he's like, hey, um, can more of that, that, that dark glaze that you put on the bombs? Yeah. And I'm like, we might have some. Why? Because I put it on everything. A ham sandwich, I put it on it. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. I'm eating it. All right, well, let me get you some. Now, you, asked, you said something earlier that I want to ask you about. Okay. You said your father made stew, but now you make chili. What's the difference between what makes something a stew and what makes something a chili? And then I'm going to tell you my hot takes on this. Okay. So he made stew, he made a soup, and he made a chili. That was, that was like his like three staples. Okay. And my dad thought he could grill, and the only thing my dad ever grilled that was good was ribs. Okay. I'll give him credit for ribs. He, he made damn good ribs. Everything else, my dad, my dad was the guy that went out and poured half the damn bottle of lighter fluid on the charcoal grill oh, no. and said, the secret to grilling, son, is you got to get those coals white hot. And he would pour all that shit on there. I mean, the flames would be 12 feet tall, mm. burning off. And an hour later, he'd go out there and he'd, he'd get to going at it. All right. Once they were hot. But, like, if he started a little too early, man, it's probably why I don't like Burger King because that flame broiled, <laughs> if it tastes like lighter <laughs> fluid or that flame broiled shit, yeah. I ain't eating it. Yeah. I mean, that is disgusting to me. I don't want that. I'm out. But to answer your question, so... Man, this is going to start a freaking war on here. I already know because there's the whole debate about do you put beans in your chili they, they or can not. Debate. I'm just going to tell them what, what's right. All you right. Know, you know. I think there should be beans in your chili. But that's me personally. My chili growing up always had beans in it. And where, where are you from? I'm from Oklahoma originally. My dad is from, and my mom's from Oklahoma. My dad is from Ohio. Okay. Now, I have some friends that are from Indiana, and you want to know some really weird shit about Indiana people? They put spaghetti in their chili? They put spaghetti in their chili. That is the weirdest shit in the world. That's like goulash. I thought they did that in Cincinnati, too, so when you said Ohio, that's the first thing I thought of. Well, that's pretty close. The hell is that? It bleeds over. Spaghetti? Spaghetti noodles in the chili, man. Like, uh, it makes no sense to me. Ketchup or mustard or something too. There's something, I don't know, but that's weird shit. That's why you don't trust anybody from Indiana. That's just you mm-hmm. learn right off the bat. They're great people. But you just don't trust them when it comes to mealtime. Can't eat yeah. the food. Spaghetti. Now I know. Mark, I think you got a new shirt here. My buddy Randy Rivers. I love Randy. He he said I have a shirt that says once you put my meat in your mouth, you will want to swallow. Oh, okay. All right. He's yeah, got a good yeah. shirt. All right. You, you might have to adapt that to the sharing my meat. Maybe that like goes on the back I, of the I, shirt. I, I would tell you one of the fun parts about uh, having a, a company named by dirty soccer moms uh, all around me and them all voting for it was that they all send me random shirts like I like my butts, I like my butts rubbed and I like my butts rubbed good or something. You know, it yeah. is a picture of a pig or... Uh, so I get those daily from like elementary school teachers and stuff. It's a that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So a stew. So 
you make chili and you put beans in it and what else? Because I think, well, go ahead. So my, my personal chili that I make, I take my father's recipe and then I doctor the shit out of it. Like I make one chili that stays really consistent to his recipe that's mainly onions, hot sauce, tomatoes, meat, beans, peppers, Worcestershire sauce, um, chili powder, cumin, stuff like that. And then I have another one where I like to like, I'll go, I'll go put all kinds of meat in it. Like I'll smoke some meats on my grill. I'll dice them up. I'll throw them in there. I, I mean, I've even shredded a, a smoked chicken before and thrown it in my chili. Like to me, it's, Whatever you have around that you can put in there to make it the best you can make it. So, I mean, my wife jokes and she's like, this is like the million-dollar chili. Like, you put more money of high-end meats and stuff in here than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but it's but good. It's, like, it's good. Like, I mean, like, whatever. Soup, to me, is more vegetable-based. Oh, okay. So, a soup, I mean, my dad... It had all the basic vegetables in it, and it would have hamburger meat, and then it was a broth, you know, that, like, really had a good consistency to it. Stew is more like rib meat to me. Like, it's almost like a... Oh. Like, it would have, like, a, a, like a beef rib, like a short rib or something like that in there, that he would shred that and put that in there. That's more of a stew to me. It's got, like, a more of a briskety, a rib-type meat in it. That, that would be my definition. And then goulash is just kind of taking something like that and putting pasta in it or Indiana chili. I mean, <laughs> however you want to call that. Like, so that, that's where I would. Yeah, goulash for me, uh, I, I've never had a, a strong definition on it. That would be more like the kitchen sink. It's just whatever you want, however you want yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a bar mat. Yeah, it's like what do we have in the fridge? Throw it all in one thing. Let's yeah. throw down. Soup, I'm kind of like you. It's, uh, it's broth-based or it's uh, mostly liquid. You know, kind of like a clam chowder, or maybe, or a baked potato, or a, a chicken noodles, a good one. You know, yeah. maybe has some noodles in it. And a stew would be anything between that and the chili. And the chili is red meat only, and it has to be either game or maybe just cow. I'll just say it that way. And Game if, or and, cow. Yeah. And, right. and like, and if you are hunting cows, more power to you too. Yeah. You know, so like if you go out there and get your own, then that means something too. So no beans, that would be back for uh, stews in my opinion. However, my ultimate opinion is do whatever the hell you like and what your family likes to eat. And that right there is what you do. Yeah. But if I'm judging your chili in a chili cook-off, then there's going to be no beans and it's going to have some kick to it. You gotta have kick to it to make the the, the women and the the small little uh, uh, children cry. Like if children aren't crying after they eat your chili, then it's not quite hot enough. Yeah. But I also learned that as more Californians move into Texas, that I've now my wife has made, and this is the only chili that I'll eat when it's hot. And so that's why I want to kind of bless you with okay. it. She makes a white chicken chili with beans in it. And a bunch of like black beans and corn and like pico, and, uh, and then sour cream on top, and maybe some tortilla strips. And this sounds awesome, dude. 
it could be 105 degrees outside, and then you can eat chili if you're willing to call that mess chili. So I always call that my California chili. All and right. We, and we took that to a chili contest uh, last year, and everybody licked that thing clean. And then it won, and then and, and to, to uh, appease the Texans, we instantly disqualified it and gave it to somebody with some red chili. <laughs> there you go. You guys have it from an official... That's that's where I'm at. The most badass barbecue guy I know. Like, there you go. I think if if Mark says that's the way it is, then that's the way it is. That's the way it is. I tell you what, next time I see you, I'll I'll make sure my wife, uh, because I can't even claim credit for it, because I've almost done nothing to it. She makes me finish it off and kind of balance it and get it right. She puts some sliced avocados in it as well. Yeah. I mean, she's talented. And so the, the other greatest fear I have is once we get all of our barbecue empire up and going, uh, she makes, she's the most amazing baker I've ever met. And she just keeps her mouth shut. And she makes all these amazing cakes. You, you know how, like, sometimes you'll see a beautiful cake, you bite into it, and it's dry. Sure, it's never been dry. She's got these secret tips that she puts into it. She uh, makes the most amazing bunt cakes, amazing cupcakes. And she has all the things to make them absolutely handmade. It's like she scratch makes the frosting. She see, has- you're kind of ratting me out. I might rat myself out of it here. Last time I picked up stuff from you, you were doing stuff for, like, kids' sports team or something. And you gave me a cupcake when I got over there. I did? And I didn't tell my wife about it. And I oh, was like, no. this cupcake. That's why my wife's like, are you, like, hungry? You ready to go now? And I'm like, no, I'm good for a little bit. And I'm, like, thinking, I'm like, I just ate one of the most amazing cupcakes I've ever had in my life. Like, <laughs> blow sprinkles away. That's big praise for me that if you're blowing – red velvet sprinkles cupcakes away like that's pretty damn solid in my book yes. so when you get home you're gonna walk in the door and she's gonna look at you and say she ain't watching really it. she'll be watching it late really yeah she'll be really, really. let's talk about cupcakes oh, oh, yeah hey let me let me talk to you for him he's sorry he means it from the deepest part of his heart and he's already told me that you need a dozen cupcakes from us and he's already prepared that for you he didn't want to ruin that surprise yeah. but that surprise is coming from me to you exactly. because of him so you need to praise your man when he gets home. Yeah. Right? And he made me eat the whole thing when I was there. He didn't want any I did. I'm like, slime. if you waste it, I'm going to judge you. Yeah. And so that's the only I'm reason he did like that. you're insulting my wife's baking. Or he would have taken it. the whole thing. Or he would have taken it to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> so my biggest fear, though, is that once we get this barbecue empire up and running, and, like, I've got this idea for this uh, big backyard place where, like, there's games and... Um, you know, axe throwing, well, maybe not axe throwing, but, you know, a live band could play there, and, um, you know, there's cornhole, and everybody's got, you know, free beer, and, yeah. like, we're having a great time. We're also going to put her up a, a place to sell confectionaries and desserts and yeah, this stuff. Absolutely. And but my deepest fear is, is that nobody's going to care about the barbecue, because even though the barbecue is that good, her stuff is that much better. And, ah. then, and so she's like, no, that'll never happen. And I'm like... She's like, I don't want to be in the kitchen all the time. I'm like, you are blessed. You're going to have to be. I don't think you have anything to worry about that. I, I think it'll be equal competition there. I, I, Let me float a I name. think the Sharon house is gifted when it comes to grilling, smoking, baking, cooking, whatever you want to throw out there. If it involves the kitchen or grilling or smoking, I, I think you guys have that kind of company. Could you imagine wakeboarding and coming off the lake and then coming to this place where you're not ready to go home yet? Get a couple more beers, have this barbecue, have like a key lime pie or have a, some peach cobbler or have like, the, she makes this cheesecake that is also covered in peach cobbler. 
I'm getting fatter just yeah. like listening to you talk about this right now because I'm going to go hey, home. Hey, man, you're you talking to two cats that just are real like in training for weight loss, and I'm sitting over here slobbering over the keyboard. Y'all need to change on, on the damn day, subject. Dude, we know day, we there's a it. cooler over here. That he brought with food that we are going yeah. to eat after the show. You know I'm bringing my meat to everybody. I thought there'd be a yeah. big live audience here. I know that you, you came to the special construction zone and the Bat Cave I'm of ICC. Him. I'm hiding. Him. And they're like, "Hey, do you want a service to everybody out there?" And he's like, "No." no. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to go get. I'm about to I'm go get three what forks. I can, and I'm taking the rest home. I'm going to so, get three forks, and I'll be right back. Well, let me float a name by you and see if this if this even floats. Lori's Big Tarts. I like it. That work? It matches sharing my meats. It matches what you got going with sharing my meat. But, I, I mean, mean, I mean, uh, hey, I mean, what's goose? What's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Yeah, uh, man, yeah. I'm into it. All right, I mean, that's uh, we'll be silly for a little bit, but that's a lot of fun. All right, so before I get too distracted here, because Mark and I are gonna rap for a while on here, and this man has so many different avenues of life that he's gone down and I'm looking into looking forward to diving into that with you and sharing that with you. Everybody always asks, what are we smoking? And what are we drinking? So Mark is smoking this monster stick from German engineered. He really likes this. I had no idea what he was talking about when he was telling me where it was in the humidor. I actually, that is the one German cigar I have not tried yet. You'll have to let everybody know what you think about it. It's amazing. If you're looking for a long smoke, uh, my, my oldest daughter is in gymnastics, and so she'll have three-hour-long practices. And so I come over here, and that's maybe two, three cigars. Maybe it's, I'm talking, and it's none. But this one actually lasted the whole time I was here reading a book uh, just a couple days ago, and that's a pretty big accomplishment, I think, for a cigar to... To, to tame me down that much yeah and uh and it's uh it smoked well and never ran on me the pool was you get a long lancero type cigar like this the pool becomes really hard you might have to relight it a couple times and man it did an exceptional job uh, so uh later on i'll have my one of my favorites right now this gran abano Oh, you can't go wrong with these bad boys. A little thicker ring gauge. Yeah. A little beautiful, like an outdoors golfing yeah. cigar. That's a bolder cigar. It's like a Maduro wrapper, I think. Pretty sure that one's so, a Maduro. That's, that's real solid. But this will keep me busy, and you can admire how long it is while we smoke it right now. And what but we're talking about sharing is me. You got a Goldie now. So I got a Goldie. You guys heard me talk about this. This is the larger ring gauge one. I don't remember what the years are on this. I like this one the most. The really thin one that you guys saw me smoking the other week, I like it a lot too. That one's really good. This just happens to be my favorite. I was finishing a Genesis. That is the one we smoked last week. You guys heard me talk about that. That's the one DC and Luciano got together and did together. Um, that's The Genesis is phenomenal. I think that's what Biz is smoking right now as well. The, the, yep. They're great. The Genesis. Yep, that's what I got. Yeah, that's yep. what I thought. And then I have a red label Patoro mm. that'll probably be my next one. I like this after dinner. I'm saving this because Mark brought barbecue with him. So uh, I'm saving that one for later on. What we're drinking, Mark asked for Weller, said he was a big Buffalo Trace fan. So I got this Deb's Liquor out of Austin. This is their barrel pick. It's a single barrel. We fresh cracked this tonight on the show. This is excellent. It's your 
Very typical Buffalo Tray single barrel. It's very smooth. It's caramely. It's mm. got a bit of the cherry taste to it. Um, and then Mark hadn't had... Hold on a second. That, this, yeah. this has to be one of the best store picks or, or barrels that I've had from just a Buffalo Trace bottle. I mean, it is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very good. I, I don't drink regular Buffalo Trace that much, but if it's a single barrel store pick, it's phenomenal. Like, that ends up... I mean, typically, if that wasn't picked for a single barrel... This would probably get bottled at a certain point as 107 or Weller 12. Like, it, I mean, that's what it ends up being. So the, this is somebody who went and picked the cream of the crop, and that's what they chose. Now, if I'm having barbecue, and you all saw me drink this with Randy Rivers and Mario, we had the rye mainly, but this small batch smoke wagon, if you're having barbecue, you can't go wrong with smoke wagon. I mean, that's a staple, and I, I figured Mark needed to try that. So, and I want to give a shout out to all those people out in Hawaii. Uh, most of you know my little brother lives out in Maui. He's safe. He lives right outside of Lahaina, actually, where Lahaina is completely destroyed. I, I, I'm grateful I got to see it and experience it when I was there this year, earlier in the year. Um, it's super sad. They're finding more and more people every day. If you mm. guys have it in your hearts or have the ability, I highly suggest you look at the Red Cross or any other way you can donate. These people need clothes. They need food. They need literally everything. I'm wearing my Hawaii hat I got in Lahaina. Um, it's truly tragic what has happened in Lahaina. I mean, the whole town is burnt to the ground. Those, I think they're called banya or something like that, trees, that's absolutely amazing. Those were planted in like 1870-something. Mm. They're 200-year-old trees. They're burnt to a crisp. Like, they're still kind of standing. Like, they're hoping they're going to come back. But, I mean... None of us are going to see those if they have to regrow and regenerate to what they are right now before this fire. We won't see that in our lifetime. Uh, I mean, it is truly tragic. And people planning to go to Maui anytime soon, I would follow the advice of other people out there and the locals. They do rely on tourism and stuff, but now is not the time to go visit Maui. Pick one of the other islands. These people are gonna be dealing with this for a little while and they need some time to recuperate. It made me absolutely sick to hear my brother tell me stories about, you know, some of these people try to go to the water. I mean, there's one highway road in and out of Lahaina. I mean, this is an island. And there's houses and city on both sides of this highway. They had one highway to go back around or inland on the highway from Lahaina and People died in their cars. People were jumping in the water to try to get away from the smoke and to not die. And people still died jumping in the water because even when they came up, there was no clean air to breathe. So these people that are going there and getting in the water, I mean, there's still bodies washing ashore and there's reports of people swimming in these nearby beaches and stuff like that. Like, to me, that is completely messed up. Like, 
give these people some time, let them start healing and rebuilding, and this government bullshit of offering them a little bit of money and trying to steal their land, I hope that those news reports are wrong and that's not what's really happening because that is absolutely sick. If you are trying to take advantage of these people that just lost everything, shame on you, and I hope you get called out and the worst of worst happens to you. Mm -hmm. um, I, that, that's a personal rant from me, but uh, all my support to the people out in Hawaii and Lahaina, there was a couple other fires out there that you know, apparently are all under control, but, you know, I, I hope the best for them. I mean, my, brother's, my brother works for Whole Foods out there, and he's telling me about stories about he goes out on his lunch break and stuff, and there are literally people with their families sitting at the park benches because they have no home. They, their shit is destroyed. It's gone. There's no place to go. And people are now raising rent, charging more for hotels and all this other stuff. And these people have nowhere to go. Like, they're sleeping and living in the streets. And they're playing cards on these picnic benches with their kids just to, like, take their kids' mind off of it. And so they're not thinking about the fact that they don't have a home. So if you can provide any type of support or finances that you can send that way... I think they would be forever grateful for that. And I highly recommend if you can donate or volunteer to donate in any way, shape, or form, you do that. They would be very grateful for that. End of rant about Hawaii, but my little brother lives out there, so it's near and dear to my heart. Mark is involved in all kinds of stuff, and I don't even know where to start. I mean, we've danced around the barbecue stuff. You're really into finances. I mean, do we start with the boy band you're in, or... <laughs> I mean, allegedly, we, allegedly, allegedly, no, uh, I will admit that, uh, uh, that, uh, I still enjoy the boy band, uh, genre of music. In fact, it's uh, becoming even better and better. I've noticed that it's catnip for like my, uh, my age of women. Mm -hmm. And so once we've had a couple of wines and the wife's feeling good, you know, we start playing some 80s music, some boy bands and stuff, and everybody's dancing in the backyard having a good time. So, I mean, that's, uh, that catnip works. But uh, what's funny is that uh, um, growing up, I was at a church that uh, couldn't afford an organ or a piano. Uh, it's Church of Christ. We, uh, uh, we, <laughs> that's a joke because they, they preferred to be just singing only. So we would just sing with our voices. And so when somebody came around, like my real friends from other churches, they'd be like, y'all can't afford no piano, no guitars or nothing? And they're like, no, <laughs> man, we, we just sing. You know, it's fun. You try it. Uh, but then from that, you know, like you would get together with a couple of guys and just sing like mm. church songs. Then they'd turn into singing like Billy Joel songs or, you know, 50 songs or you put things together. Yeah. And then all of a sudden boy bands came along and we're already prepped for this. We're already been singing like this, man. We're ready to go. And so then, like, we, like, formed groups and went around and sang at different churches and sang at different places. And even in college, I auditioned to be in the, like, the recruiting group for the college, like, the show little group. And we went around and sang all across the country and international, trying to recruit people to come to our college because we do fun stuff like to have this band that sings and stuff. And, uh, uh, and we didn't really dance as much, but I was definitely uh, the boy band love. And the boy band talent in me is strong. And I, by the end of the night, I'm expecting for, I can teach you and, uh, and Busy Bee like a little box step. And we can maybe do some. Cool. I'll, we might I'll, be get a TikTok I'll, video I'll put, going I'll, or yeah, something. Yeah, I'll, I'll put you all on uh, some, uh, some boys to men. We can see some boys to men. 
Ooh. That shit's gonna look like in sync fights, new edition, <laughs> WWE's. With, yeah, NSYNC like that's that's not gonna. We'll look sound good, good though. We might not look good, but we'll sound good by the end of it. Okay, maybe you put some All scratches right. in it. Nobody wants to hear me sing. I yeah, guarantee I, you that. My, my DJ equipment's at the house, so y'all, <laughs> y'all say. Let's so affirm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, think, I think you got a hard no there. <laughs> Two out of three. I think you got a hard no. Yeah, so, uh, but I, I will tell you what, if we're somewhere out in public and boy band songs come on or we're doing karaoke. It's on. Uh, you, you will you'll have to disown me because I'm, I'm ready to go up there and make a fool of myself. And, uh, yes. And I, I, and, I, and I support it fully. Thank God for camera phones because I want to be there for that moment. Yes. We'll get the party started. All right. So you also, I mean, I mean I'm just going to kind of go all, all pop, over pop the place with you because you're one of those people that's kind of all over the place. What, uh... Tell us a little bit how you got into the financial world because I know that I mean like that's you before sharing my meat everything there like tell us a little bit about what you do in that space and what your background is and all of that. So, um, uh, my father was a uh, we had a, this boat dealership and uh, and I'd always no matter what I'd always work wherever he was like when we when we first moved to Dallas. He retired from being an executive and wanted to run a bait shop and a boat storage and just hang out by the lake all day. Okay. So then all of a sudden, I'm selling minnows, you know, and then he realizes that's boring. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tired of being up at 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. every day in one place. I want to go live a life. And uh, so we shut that down and let other people run it. And, but eventually, he got back into work and he was, uh, had a boat dealership. He loves boats, loves fishing, loves all that stuff. And... Um, and uh, this one guy came in, and he bought, like, an expensive boat. And then he doubled the price of his boat with all his toys that he put on it. You know, and it was just, like, one of those, like, money can't buy you happiness. That guy looks pretty happy. You know, like, yeah. he's like, well, why don't we put two engines on the back? Well, you don't really need two engines. And he goes, but can we put two engines? Yeah. Put two engines on it. Okay. You know, or put this well, GPS. This is, like, this is the late 90s. And, you know, this is before GPS and all the other stuff was, like, almost standard on boats now. Yeah. So he's putting, like, 100 grand worth of GPS and stuff on his boat before he even gets to the stereo in, like, of his fishing boat. So my dad goes, he goes, this guy looks like he's somebody who's pretty successful. You know, if I were you, I might ask him, like, hey, what advice would you give me as a young person that, you know, by that point I already had a taste for finer things. I liked to travel a lot. I've already been overseas to like 40 countries by the time I'm a senior in high school. Damn. Uh, uh, and part of that was singing. So that was kind of funny too, but that was in a, uh, uh, believe it or not, a barbershop group led to that opportunity. It wasn't when you were in Menudo? No, uh, yeah, I wish. I, I'd have some good money then. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, and so this guy looks at me and he goes, I'll tell you what, because I, and I helped him, like showed him all his boat. I kind of sold him some stuff, and he's like, yeah. he goes, you've got talent. Like, because I would sell boats, like, they were like buttermilk biscuits, man. Like, like people came in here just, like, not knowing what they're doing, left with a boat, you know, type situation. Yeah. And so uh, he goes, I like you. He goes, here's my card. Uh, when you get home from college next year or as, as, as things come around, how about you do an internship with my company? Cool. All right, let's work on it. And he goes, and, and, I've, and I've never not hired an intern. Okay. 
So uh, it turns out he was uh, he was the second in command of this big area Dallas player and broke. Uh, they had a gigantic brokerage wing, uh, very active on Nasdaq, and then they had a, a, a real a well respected investment banking side. Okay. So then he hired me in to uh, go through their internship and be a broker, and then then the investment banker, the guy who was in charge of all that, plucked me out to work directly with him. And so now I've been working investment banking as like a junior in college, and I'm like, this is pretty nice. So then they come into some trouble, or like I leave, go back to college, and I, in fact, I even uh, that's the that's the year that uh, I spend a, a year in Greece. So I was completely out of pocket. And by the time I came back from that, they had been like raided and taken over by uh, uh, like another, like, another the, firm. like another firm butchered out their whole like they were going to buy them and everything was going to be awesome. And Hostile it, takeover. And, and man, they just wiped them out. They just, they just it was the dirtiest thing you could ever do to somebody. And uh, and so then we were still friends and you know I talked to all those people and then the, especially the investment banker guy. And then so then right after college, he goes, you you don't need to be investment banking. You'd have more fun in venture capital. So I got a job at a venture capital place, and uh, uh, part of it was raising funds and, uh, and just being just kind of a, a young person there, and had the time of my life, and uh, we were going really good, and uh, I learned a lot about how to market and how to uh, package things that are then, you know, readable and understandable to, to you know, wealthy individuals, on, uh, and I just had a great time doing that, and then September 11th hit. And then within six months of that, like, they, they laid off everybody. It was terrible. But because I didn't spend any money, and like, I was like, well, I'm going to have a long summer break. And I almost just chilled out and said I did what I wanted to do, and I wound up volunteering at my old high school coaching the basketball team. So I went back and just kind of gave back to the community and was coached basketball, and then they started using me that, and then they wanted me to be a teacher, and I was like, no... No, we ain't doing this. Not like coming to. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, uh, but from that, that set the foundations for like I was licensed to sell securities if I wanted to, uh, but I had the investment banking side of it, and I knew how that operated. And then I went a step further up the chain into like venture capital and angel seeding and subordinate debt, and looked how they structured everything to bring companies and technologies online to a place that. Then could be sold to investment banking firms, and then sold as as public stocks. And so, um, I thought that uh, uh, I thought I would uh, do that forever. And then instantly, I was like, you know what? Uh, my really my biggest passion right now, period, was music in in church work. And so then I just flipped everything and went to Amarillo. It was uh, like this whole time I've been like uh, shows Amarillo to dude, flip everything and go to dumb, <laughs> dum dumb. Uh, like I don't know if you've ever smelled Amarillo, but I, I, I would I would ask you to just keep on driving past it and yeah. not smell it. Cow patty. Yeah, it's kind of hard, and like the wind barely shifts, and you just look at it and you're like you want to vomit immediately, and they just look at you and go, "That's the smell of money." Yeah. They're like, your money sucks. Blowing in from and, Lubbock. And I don't want none of it, or Hereford, or whatever it was that had yeah. the big slaughter yards. Uh, but, man, I loved Amarillo at first, and uh, besides, besides smelling all that junk. And, uh, but we learned very quickly that uh, that was probably not the, the right fit. My wife hated it there. She was depressed. 
and uh, uh, like uh, everything about it was just uh, not the place we should be. And uh, so we had the old Chisholm house. It was a replica of this Chisholm estate that, from the Chisholm Trail that this guy had. So we had a house from like 1860. Wow. It was gorgeous. And it was right next to the community college. It was on like a brick old section. I had the only trees in town. They're mine. You can't have them. Like everybody <laughs> else is like, I wish I had a tree. I'm like, sorry. You know, you got to build in 1860 to have a tree. And so um, wow, it was a lot of fun. Uh, my wife makes fun of me too because I've never been a landlord before uh, and that's something I wanted to do as well and this place had like a servant's quarters behind the garage okay which turned into uh, a uh, a great apartment for somebody and so uh, let me back up too this old house had something else I've never heard of too before at the time a young 20 year old type person 23 year old person never thought possible you know because I grew up poor we grew up without central air conditioning, without, like, we yeah. had propane heaters, like, at the base of my bed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so, like, I would be afraid in the middle of the night, like, if I kicked off my blanket, would I burn my house down? Mm-hmm. You know, type stuff. And so, like, there's always that fear going on. But uh, there's a little butler's pantry and the kitchen behind the dining room. And the dining room had a little thing on the floor. I'm like, well, what the hell is that? And it's, like, right where the head of the table would be. You press that little button. The bell rings back out in the in the butler's quarters, and there was another bell that rang out in the in the apartment uh, back. Wow! Like, like, bring, we need you to come in here and serve us some more. That's crazy. So like, so I rang that sucker all the time, and my wife would never respond. I don't understand that she couldn't hear it. Yeah. I don't understand why that didn't work. But. She heard that. Yeah. She, <laughs> she said, was like, you are your damn mind. <laughs> she responded the first time that said, hell no, how do, like, she found a screwdriver quick. Like, then stuff was apart on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Short circuit. When I sold that house, I was like, sellers disclosure, that bell doesn't work for some reason. Lori's like, it'll work when, when you buy it. The next time <laughs> I come in here, violence shall ensue. Don't bring that damn bell no more. We didn't even have a dining room table. I just go to the dining room and press the button, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, so, uh, uh, I'd never been a landlord before, and I thought, how hard could it be? And uh, I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I put, they had this sign out, like, for rent. I just put it on the main road, because it's the main road, right there in front of our house. Yeah. And first person that has cash and looks like they're okay, then here we go, right? So I rented out to somebody. I didn't really pay attention to them that much. Got them under contract. Uh, got them on the thing. Turns out she was a stripper. And Lori was like, you did this on purpose. <laughs> she ring that bell? Uh, she answered the bell. No, I mean, no, no, wait, wait, wait. wait uh, <laughs> the bell all of a sudden He's kidding, worked again. He's kidding. No, dude, He's she paid, kidding. She, she paid in cash. She paid in ones a lot. <laughs> uh, but it got to the point where, like, I'm a minister at this church, Lori. You talk to her. <laughs> like, Why does your money smell like baby oil and have a lot of glitter it's like on it? It's like cocoa butter. I don't know what's going on here. It's like, uh, it's Lori, she makes fun of me to this day. She's like, you did it on purpose. You, you, like, you rented her on purpose. And, and then now you make me deal with her. And I'm like, well, enjoy. <laughs> Shirts church cannot be combined here. <laughs> so uh, landlord, uh, landlord fail or win? I don't know. So that was my first foray to the landlord but I, I liked it i liked it that uh that i could buy a property and have it half the payment be paid for 
just by letting somebody enter my alley and use a part of the thing, I'm not going to use it all myself anyways. Yeah. So from then on, it was kind of like, find ways that you can make mailbox money that you don't have to be active in. And so, but being a landlord was almost a little too active because she's like, my toilet locked up. And I'm like, mm, okay, what do you want me to do about it? Well, you have to yeah. go fix it. Oh, son of a bitch. Can <laughs> <laughs> I call the plumber? So uh, we, we had to do some plumbing and redo some stuff and fix it up. And, but uh, uh, from there, we moved to Austin. And uh, my best, one of my best friends from college, this guy touched gold. Anything he ever did was like successful. He was in a boy band. He, had, and he got recording contracts, and then they switched to a real band, was touring, and then, uh, then he joined the company and, you know, whatever, did great. And all of a sudden, he decided he's going to be a State Farm agent. I probably shouldn't have said the name of the company, but anyways. He's going to be an insurance agent. And then he made a bunch of money, then went down to Austin, and then told me, he's like, man, I'm going to pay you all the money. Uh, you'll learn how to be an agent underneath me, and then you'll be an agent. And... Uh, uh, you know, and insurance is great. So we went down there, and that's right when the Katrina hit. Oh man, that's New right Orleans. when I started at Element. Much. Yeah. So then they they uh, they all the body everybody that's living in New Orleans now is living in Austin and Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then State Farm decides, hey, we're not going to write any more homeowner policies. We're not going to write any more of this. Uh, good luck, agents. See what you do. But then we made it work for I think four or five years. Uh, and then all of a sudden one day I was just like, how can they, t- they can take this away from us at any second if you're a captive agent. Yeah. You're never really building for yourself. You're never really um, owning it. It's always State Farm's business. They pay you to manage it. But when it's done. It's done. Yeah. You, you don't get to sell to somebody. Yeah. Like it's over. And if they don't want to write insurance anymore. You're out. You're out. There's nothing you can do. And so, but then that's also right when they started uh, denying a bunch of claims or not saying they, uh, it was difficult to be an insurance agent and feel like you were helping people. It felt like you were, it felt like you were helping people and the company you're working for was actively not helping people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I came from the insurance world, so I, I fully understand that. Oh, look, I was just talking about how it draws good and then the. Uh, Hey, you talk long enough, most cigars are going to go out. Check out this lighter that the Industrial has. Mm-hmm. It's an old school one where you flip the top and then mm-hmm. it just lights. God, these table lighters. Rock we got world. some special ones like that when we bought certain uh, Atabe, Nelson, Alfonso cigars. Mm. When, the, uh, when those first came out, they gave us engraved versions of that lighter. Awesome. They're really badass. It sits in my bar. It's one of my favorite lighters. It's a excellent lighter. It's, I mean, you don't want to carry it around everywhere with you because it's kind of bulky, but it's a great lighter. Yeah, my Zycar one is like not wanting to do. I've got one of those big round ones. Yeah. That like you flip the top and you flip how much it yeah. like, but it's not working. It yeah. just doesn't work. I've had it serviced three times. Bring it to Nate. Nate is the fixer of all. Faulty lighters. Uh, uh, Nate, Nate, don't hate, know what Nate does, but Nate, Nate hates my lighter. It. He flat told me to send it straight to the. Oh well, then I would send it back. Champ of the Nate world, champ of the it. world gave up. He championed no longer on that lighter. Mm-hmm. So somebody else got to mess with that. Mm-hmm. If Nate tells you that, that lighter is screwed. 
Well, he just fixed it too many times. And like last time he fixed it, Zycar took like nine months to return it. Oh, that's crazy. So he goes, that's why I don't carry Zycar anymore. Well, what are so what from, are some from, pitfalls you had along that way of like just from where you've taken us so far along this journey? Let me. What let are me, some like kind of put a bookend you know? on it? Yeah, yeah. So we were down in insurance, and then one day I was just like, uh, my buddy at New Year's Eve, that he's one of my best friends. And he was already doing the, the type of financing that I do for short-term uh, properties to reposition or yeah. have value add. He was already doing that for one of the, the major leaders in Austin. Okay. And he goes, hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't we start a shop together? And uh, I'm like, well, maybe. I don't know. Like, I'll tell you what, though. I've kind of got, I've got like 12 people under my staff right now. So, like, I'm kind of comfortable but yeah. uh, so like you know, uh, I'm not ready to order my own my sharpies again. I'm not ready to order my own paper clips again. You know, like I got somebody that checks on that for me now. Like I'm like it's kind of nice. The guy's like, well, I don't know, just keep it in mind. And so we just talked and talked and talked, and it looked like he was uh, seriously going to do something. And then it just hit me out of the one like literally in May. I'm like I walked in and I'm like, guys, I'm going to give my two weeks notice. I can't be here anymore. Just out of nowhere. Like, I just, I just know this is not the place for me. I'm never going to make the type of... Uh, uh, I'm never going to be in full control over my destiny. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's, a, there's a pathway to make money here, and it's a great pathway, and there's, there's a way to make residuals. So you get that mailbox money that I'm always looking for. But you are a dancing panda. You have to hit certain sales amounts in other areas before that multiplies your commission in other areas. And so you always have to do what they have to, you always have to sell what they want you to sell, even if it's not a good product or a competitive product. And if you have to, odds are you have to buy it yourself just to make the numbers. Yeah. So uh, I said that was, uh, that was something that I really wouldn't abide with very well. If I'm going to own something, if I'm going to go through all the risk, I'm going to take on all the risk, I'm going to take on all the debt, I'm going to take all the blood sacrifice to make it happen then I want to reap whatever comes in. Yeah. And I want that to be uh, uh, good or bad, that's mine. Yeah. And because I was always a kid that, like, if we had to work in groups, like, y'all be quiet, I'll just do it for us. Yeah. We'll get it done, and we'll all be happy. You know, because I'm like, I have no doubt what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill it. And I'm like, I'll leave nothing on the table. It will, it will, it will work. Yeah. So I quit, and I went back to my friend. I'm like, hey, if you're serious about starting that company, I'm all in. If not, I'm going to do something. And then so I started working on the company, and then two weeks later, he quit his, and then, uh, then we were in the hard money lending business. And that was right at 2008 when everything crashed. Oh, man. That's right when I sold my decorative concrete business and made the jump I made. Yep, and so then everybody's like, there's no money in real estate. There's impossible to do anything, right? Yeah. There's fear everywhere. It's just another piece of the puzzle. You know, like, so you've been doing it a certain way for 20 years. It gets flipped. So, find a new way to do it. There's, there's other opportunities available now. So you found in a time where everything was saying, no. We can't do anything. It's we can't do anything. You guys are like, wait, this isn't that different from what we've been doing. We right. just gotta flip this and look at it from Another angle. Right. So now it was, it was hard to get into a good deal because you couldn't buy them right. 
Now you could buy everything right, but then you had to watch how you exited it and who you exited to. Whereas beforehand, it was impossible to get into a deal, but then you could, you, could, you could trip on 20 offers on the way out. Does that make sense? Yeah. And there, uh, there's, that's a, 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 a very gross overstatement about the situation. But that's it in its essence. Okay. Is that uh, you just had to figure out how to shift where your risks were, evaluate the risk, evaluate everything that you could see, and then make a plan so that everybody's lying to you. You can still make money. So you add, add margin. Uh, you reduce what you would lend on it. Instead of 80%, you'll loan 65%. Um, you know, and then you're more flexible with the builders and help them like adjust as they need to adjust versus being strict and sticking to maybe um, something that a doesn't, more doesn't work. Portfolio. Yeah. So and then we found ways to. Then all of a sudden, that's when people started using uh, tearing down uh, homes in Austin and putting uh, four townhomes on one lot. So you can sell four doors now for what you would have sold just one door for. Or, or actually, since all the values are going up so much, people can't afford that $700,000 house now. They can afford a $300,000 house. And so what? They share a wall with somebody. That's what they got to do now. And if, and if they get their stuff better and things rebound, this is going to massively appreciate value. Then you can go buy whatever else you thought you could buy. So were you, were you mentored a lot along this way? Or how did you gain this knowledge to make these different moves or to move into these different categories? Or did this all stem from this early internship? This all kind of stemmed from being taught how to properly look at things the way they are now and what they take to be in a future state. And then what are the obstacles and the hurdles? Or we would, uh, what are the things that, the, the milestones that you have to reach in what order to give you the best percentage of success? And what I'd also say is that as much as I say that a lot of my credit goes to that, uh, I have to back way up uh, that my father was, um, was a... Uh, Special Forces, military pilot, flew Cobras in Vietnam, highly decorated. Uh, to others, he was the life of the party. Uh, just a, a wonderful human being, like everybody loved being around him and, and being in his presence. But for me, I was almost like he was my drill sergeant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sometimes it went too far, but most of the time, uh, you know, he did an exceptional job of not making a path for me but making me able to go down any path and, and create my own path, prepare the child, not the path. Yeah. And so one of the things I learned from him was that, uh, uh, that these things that are blocks in your way, they could be building blocks. If you have the right attitude and you attack them the right way, they help you get to the next level up. Or they could be stumbling blocks because of your attitude and the way that you view them. So you have to analyze the blocks. Are these building blocks or are these stumbling blocks? Or anything that, like something comes at A stumbling you. block could still be a building block. You just got to learn a lesson. And that's what that I'm saying block. is that usually there's stumbling blocks when you look at them. And then, you, and then you've got to sit there and look at them until you, they become building blocks. 
Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. How do how do you how do you teach your kids this now? Like, I mean, you have kids. Like, <laughs> my wife hates it. You? My wife hates it when I uh, teach my kids this. For me, this is a. Uh, uh, there's several times where uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a warm place. I'm a, I'm a super warm place for our kids. Soft landing pad. Yeah. But at the same time, my kids realize when when coaching mode starts, like it is not that much of a warm place. In fact, the the place adds pressure. Because I'm going to add pressure to you now in these situations when they don't really matter. Like, uh, like if you're going to, um, I don't know a good example, but like, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about not wasting our opportunities. And we talk about people view you by the effort that you put in and the results that you, you receive. Um, and that uh, and your coaches, that they, can, they, don't, they, they can't watch you the whole practice. They may just see you out of the corner of their eye for 10 seconds. And that 10 seconds, you could have been goofing off with somebody playing grab ass instead of getting extra reps in. So now that coach sees that grab ass or sees you goofing off, doesn't think you're really into it. They don't pour as much into you as, as they could, maybe, or it kind of snowballs in the wrong direction. Yeah. Versus if you're always on when you're supposed to be on, then that leads to better results. You get out of it what you put into it absolutely and so what we start talking about is like you know so and so's mean to you at gym okay well be nicer to them because they're probably going through something uh well, <laughs> and then uh uh but at the same time then my little kid she struggles she was she is uh all the talent in the world but she also had some problems in traditional school okay and so she's kind of getting left behind my wife was a school teacher. She knows this from the beginning. Tries to get the school to get more resources for the child. And the kid, they're not really doing it. They're like, wait, wait until second grade. And we're like, no, she's in trouble now. The, the, the train's pulling out of the station. And as her peer group moves on, she needs help now to keep with that peer group because it's just going to get harder. And we were slow to receive those. And later the school admitted that they were slow to give this to us. But then that put her in a situation where she felt like they were judging her when she had special help come to her desk and she had special accommodations. And, um, uh, and so she became into a, a real big lack of confidence. She didn't want to go to school. She didn't want to be seen in any way. Didn't want to stand out in any way. Didn't want to be special in any way. Just, just wants to give up and just bare minimum everything. And like even like there was, and she had some kids that were kind of bullies yeah. And so... Uh, how, did, how did y'all coach her around that? I mean, especially with you having a special forces dad. Well, my wife's not proud of this. And I, and, but I, I kind of uh, thought it was necessary, finally. This, I went up to school several times to say that, you know, they're not, they're not uh, representing her best interest. That she's, um, uh, you know, that she's being picked on. And I'd like the, there to be some space between these boys that are picking on her. Yeah. And her. And it was mostly ignored. So I told my daughter, um, and this, uh, you, you may use this in, in your own way, maybe not exactly. It works for me, but hey, it is what it is. I told her, um, I'll tell you what, you be nice to everybody you can be nice to. But if somebody says one word that disrespects you or our family, or our family name, you tell them, shut your bitch-ass mouth or I'll shut it for you. And if they say anything but sorry, 
you punch him in the throat as hard as you can. Uh, not a, so this is after she would not go to school. Would not go to school, crying. Finally, after 45 minutes, I just went in and told her this. I'm like, hey, listen, whatever we, we tried so far is not working. Here's what I would do. Like, if you, can't, if you can't persuade them to be friendly towards you, then use force. Because there's only so much you can take and there's only so much you should, should take. Yeah. 9.15, I get a call from the principal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emily swung at the biggest kid in school and missed. Because uh, I also told her, I was like, after you swing and hit, you run, because you're a little girl and you're not used to fighting. You know, you're, you're, you're not, not, yeah. not, the girl has anything to do with it, but she's literally picking on a dude that's like f- five foot tall. Yeah. And he's big. And uh, so I was like, if whatever happens, then you go run to a teacher. Yeah. And just be there. And then but don't answer any questions. Just say, I want my father here. Because, like, just like, what happens if uh, a cop pulls you over? Or, like, a, a cop pulls you in for something? I want my lawyer here. You don't say an effing word because they're going to trap you into something and just saying something that you didn't really mean. And now they've got this and they think you're the person that did it. Shut up. Let your lawyer talk, right? Yeah. That's what, every, that's what every lawyer tells you. Yeah. Like, or like, you know, you watch any of those, uh, the cop shows, and they're like, oh, we're going to get him. He's going to go to jail. And then the guy goes, I want to talk to my lawyer. And I'm like, oh, damn. You know, like, we're going to have to let him go now. You know, that's the truth. And so, like I told her, I'm like, don't even talk to your principals. I don't care. You pull me up there. I will represent you in front of the principals. When, yeah. Well, because you're going to have to talk to them. Lori, being a school teacher who blends in and is nice to everybody and makes everything perfect, yeah. It's just losing her mind that this is my, my parenting style. And, but it works. I was like, people are going to be either too afraid to mess with you because you do it every time, or, uh, and then you can be nice to everybody. And there's, there's two things I want to say on this. One is, I'm going to give a shout out to my older brother. Any of you that are in the Plano area and have a young kid getting bullied, I know they're starting their programs, SIA Academy. My older brother, Dean, and Tammy, my sister-in-law, own a jiu-jitsu academy. Awesome. They have a special program for kids, anti-bullying. It starts now. I didn't really understand this bullying stuff because, I mean, the age we grew up in, I mean, was there bullying? Yes. But, like, a lot of it was, like, a rite of passage, like... And I, and I get it. There's a lot of times and this sometimes stuff if you gets bully- taken way too far. And, it, and, and, and yes, then it yeah. absolutely. But some of the light bullying, some of the light bullying is just yeah. basically needed. It you're is like, growing oh, up. Oh, I'm wearing the wrong stuff. Like, oh, all right, I need to blend in. Or, mm-hmm. you know, or, what you know, are those? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give my brother a shout out. His yeah. academy has a great program for if you have a kid that needs to learn self-defense, needs to learn how to stand up for themselves, have a little more confidence. They have great programs over there. Enrique is a great teacher. His kid is involved in the program. Like, he's got a young son. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, Throw your kids in that. I mean, you know, it, it makes me think back to a story when my family lost everything and we moved to Wichita, Kansas, it was the worst place. I mean, we <laughs> moved every three years when I was a kid. Wichita, Kansas is the worst shithole, hellhole I ever lived in. 
I, you couldn't pay me to go back to Wichita, Kansas. Like, I, I'm out on that. I lived in a duplex across the street from the elementary school. Like, parking lot, road, my street. Crossing guard to help you cross the one main street right here. I couldn't make it from that school front door to my front door without getting jumped at least once or twice a week. Mm. And you know what my old man used to tell me? He would tell me, hey, don't ever throw the... This was, for record, this was first grade through third grade. Right. I don't know how old you are in this period, but first grade through third grade. He tells me, do not throw the first punch. As long as you don't throw the first punch, I'll back you 100%. Me is, at that age, I took that very literally... So these bullies, these guys would come up that, and I'm telling you, most of these kids, they look like they could have been in high school. Right. And they're coming up two, three of them at a time. Oh, there's about to be a fight. And I'm like, all right, well, throw the first punch because I can't throw the first punch. I, I know it's coming. My dad said, don't throw the first punch. And I took that so literally I would literally tell these dudes, all right, go ahead, throw, throw me your best shot because I can't fight you until you throw the first punch. And, man, so many of these dudes knocked me out cold. <laughs> like, first punch out cold. <laughs> like, I got my bell rung. Like, take your best shot. <laughs> and finally, after about two, three months of this, man, like, I, I came home, and this is a true story. My dad said, what do you want for Christmas? And it's 1989. I'll never forget this. I, so I was nine years old. I said, I want an Eddie Caballero skateboard. You know, it was a badass skateboard. Yeah, it had yeah. a dragon on the bottom of yeah. it. I said, I want an Eddie Caballero skateboard. He was like, your friends don't skate. You guys all ride BMX bikes. You have a BMX bike. I said, I want a skateboard. He goes, all right. Well, guess what I got for Christmas? Eddie Caballero skateboard. Only thing I got that year, pretty much, because yeah. it was like a hundred and fifty dollars yeah. skateboard. Yeah. Well, you know what? First day school popped up. I rode that Eddie Cavalier school skateboard across the crosswalk, popped it up, went to my locker, put it in my locker, did school, came out, got back on that skateboard, started heading towards the crosswalk, riding my skateboard. Here come them same three dudes that jumped me about once or twice a week. I hopped off and they go, you you gonna give us your lunch money? And harassing me and whatnot. I picked up that skateboard, I laid the first one out, went at the second one, and both them dudes took off. Hell yeah. But the first dude, I knocked out a tooth, he's out cold on the ground. I mean, I hit him square with the trucks off that skateboard. <laughs> I rung his bell with that damn skateboard. I get hauled into the principal's office, they call my dad. My dad shows up. What happened? She goes, we're, we're expelling your son. Your son assaulted another kid with a skateboard. My dad goes, you got to be kidding me. You expel my son, and I'm going to sue the school. Like, you have to assume we beat him at home. He shows up here every week with a broken nose, black eye, busted lip, something Y'all can't even ensure his safety. On your property. On your property. And we live in that house across the parking lot. Like, 
literally there's a road and another road going this way. We live in the corner house. Like he can't make it into that house with a with one of your crossing guards there without getting jumped every week, every other week. So I highly suggest I got put in in school suspension for a few days. And my dad, I'll never forget, I got in the car and he goes, is that the only reason you wanted that skateboard? <laughs> I go, you're damn right that's the only reason I wanted to skateboard. He goes, you know, if you'd have told me that, I'd have got you a cheaper skateboard and you'd have got some other stuff for Christmas. I go, nah, it was worth it. He goes, fair enough. I was like, hey, Dad, by the way, I'm throwing the first punch next time. He goes, you know, I only meant I didn't want you starting fights. Right. I just meant I don't want you being the kid that's throwing the first punch and starting fights. Right. If you, son, if you know there's going to be a fight, go. By all means, go. And I was yeah. like, that would have been great to know like six, eight months ago when we first moved to this shithole because I've been getting my ass pounded. Like yeah. telling these dudes, like, throw the first punch. You should have like, been like, you threw the first punch yesterday. Now yeah. it's my turn. Well, game changed because then we moved to Olathe, Kansas, and then Connecticut. And when those dudes wanted to challenge me, I was like, all right, fine. Game on. I've been getting my ass beat by thug-ass dudes that looked like they were five, eight years older than me. Y'all are jokes. Like, I I'm ready now. Like, we can throw down, like, never again. But, like, I literally took that so literally when he told me that, like, Great life lesson. Like, if I had a kid or a son or a daughter, I, you know there's going to be a fight. There ain't no fair fighting. Go. Yeah. Get it on. That was my dad's advice, too. He's like, do whatever you can to not be in a fight. There's no winners in fights. But if you're involved with one, you do whatever you can to decapacitate them, like, yeah. immediately and so that you can leave. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all there is to it. Like, violent, brutal, no rules. End it. End it and then leave. Yeah, be be done. And Move on. So I always try to use humor and uh, uh, persuasiveness to uh, avoid that because I was always the biggest kid and I was always kind uh, of a target. I was always the tall, lanky, skinny ass kid. I was uh, I weighed uh, I weighed two fifteen when I graduated high school, all rock, basketball player. But I also weighed two fifteen when I was in seventh grade, mostly fat. You know, but say six foot two, six foot yeah. one. Yeah, by the time I was in seventh grade. So uh, I, was a, I was a target. Uh, but uh, going back to uh, my dad showed me some crazy stuff, too. He's like, what would you do if you were fighting? He's like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. And all of a sudden, he spun kicked this dude and then, like, kicked him in the head on the ground. I'm like, no, we move. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest lessons I learned through all that and, like, moving and growing these environments every three years, other than it made me, like, a social chameleon, learning how to blend and fit in because you just don't want to stand out at a certain point. If you're in a bad situation, like, you know this is going to go down and you feel like you're outnumbered or this person's a Goliath and you're right. going in it, you know the one strategy that I, I, I mean, I advise all my friends' little kids and stuff like that when, when this conversation comes up. You know the one thing that nobody wants to deal with? Somebody that they truly think is crazy. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to fuck with a crazy person. So if you're in a really bad... I mean, I'm talking when you're in a really bad, hairy situation. If you act as crazy as you can possibly act, 
no one wants to fuck with a crazy person. Like, you completely act like you lost your shit and you're ready to go. You watch. See, a lot of those dudes, I mean, like, you can still get in some situations where it's a, a, a trained person that has a lot of training or something like that, and you're, you're just, you're screwed. But if you're in a bad situation, I've found nine times out of ten, if you act like you are completely fucking crazy. So when you got in that argument with yeah. that guy at my house, that's why you took off all your clothes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Now, now no one wants to fight a naked guy. <laughs> Nobody wants to fight somebody that's, that's like, naked. This guy's Scottish or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll exactly. See what's going on. Exactly. Let me uh, let me go back to the girls. So Emily, the young one, all of a sudden from being allowed to cuss and be allowed to be an aggressor and allowed to strike first, she had a couple instances, but then everything calmed <laughs> down and then everything works. And all of a sudden she figured out that being strong and confident works in life in her life now. So she started applying that on the sports field, and she yeah. became a pretty elite athlete, uh, being strong, confident, aggressive. Uh, but yes, then, but from that, then in our family life and stuff, there was times where she was now the older sister. She was kind of picking on the older sister, and the older yeah. sister was like, Dad. And I'm like, you're twice as strong as her. Like, kick her ass. Like. Mom won't let me. You'll get in trouble. You're not getting in trouble. She, she's, she's wrong right now. Yeah. But she's never going to stop because you're letting it happen. You've got to put things back in order. And uh, so then she did a couple times, and that led to some crazy stuff. And so from then on, I had to take the little one and say, okay, you've learned the outside, uh, the norm type situations. They don't happen that much, right? Yeah. Let me, let me kill this so that way I can, I can share with you. Yeah, you, you need to try the smoke mm -hmm. wagon. Mm -hmm. Mm. Man, that's good. It's real uh, damn good. So I said, but in 95% of the time that you're in a conflict or anything like this happens, you need to be persuasive. You need to basically let cooler heads prevail. You need to be the one that pacifies the situation. That's a much better result than altercation. Yeah. And the same thing's true in fighting or disagreement in, with a teacher or disagreement with a customer service rep. A disagreement with a, a cop. I mean, you, you name it. Yeah. Cooler heads will prevail. And so how do you get out of that? I said, you need to be persuasive. You need to find things in common, find how to... Find common ground. Yeah, find common ground, find effective communication, find what, they're, what types of words they're receiving, and find out ways of, of your body language and everything that kind of makes it so that everything is scaled down. She wasn't really having that, and I was trying to, you know, she was, she was learning that slowly, 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 slowly. Uh, well, our front door had, like, a weird thing on the front handle, and, like, I don't mind it this way because nobody can get the house, period, if it's locked or not now. So the front door, <laughs> the front door is kind of hard to open. And so, like, the kids would go outside and play and shut the door and then come back in and hit the front door. And I'm like, I see where this is going, and I'm not my kid's servant. So I looked at him, I opened the door, and I told him, like, listen, I'm opening the door for you this one time but I'm not your servant. You know that this door doesn't shut, so either you pull the deadlock and don't shut it all the way, or there's seven other doors to this house, and the garage is right over there. You walk around and you come in that way. This is, I mean, that's it. You're the kid, you, you, that's what you're gonna do. Here's your choices. Yeah, use another door or another one in advance. My wife serves them like they're royalty, though, so she'll open the door for them, open the door for them, like, you know, like quit that up, quit, 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 quit. So one day, 
Saturday, we're home, nothing's going on, something's crazy, so the little one's outside blowing energy. She comes into the door, and the big one is sitting next to me, and we're watching the movie, and she goes, uh, Addy, open the door. And Addy's like, oh, no. I was like, no, don't you open the door for her. And she's like, Addy, open the door, I'm going to hit you. And I'm like, is that persuasive? You're just telling somebody that's bigger than you, stronger than you, you're going to hit them. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why should she open the door for you? Why should she be afraid of that? Because I'm going to do it. She's screaming through the window. And uh, I'm like, uh, she, she, I said, ignore her. Just watch the movie. And so we start watching. She screams a little bit more. And then she's like, if you don't do it, I'm coming in there right now and hit you. And then she's like, fine. You made your choice. And she disappears to go come in through the garage, right? <laughs> so I look over at Addie. And I'm like, if she hits you, hit her hard. Yeah. As hard as you can. Like in the stomach, okay? Not in the face. Yeah. Let's learn a lesson. Just hit her in the stomach. Let's hopefully end this. Because I'm all about, I'm usually about shock and awe. Yeah. They're like, if you have a shock and awe moment where you teach them a lesson, or like, and you really paddle them, odds are you don't have to paddle them again for two more years. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that is kind of the, is what I go for. I look for big moments to teach them. And so sure enough, man, this girl comes in. She's like, here it comes. And like, I'm like. Emily. And so she went to like jump over the back of the couch and just hit her in the middle of the back. So the bigger girl like whops up like ninja style, runs around the chair, and the other one all of a sudden her eyes get really big like, oh shit, what's happening? Yeah. Like, this Something's is, about to happen. This, I didn't expect this. This was not supposed to happen. Why is my d- older sister coming towards me, my three-year-older sister mm-hmm. coming towards me? And she just full on just like, like jacks her and she's just like (laughs) (laughs) and then everything's over right yeah and then so then I sit Emily next to us and we're all three sitting on the couch I'm like how did that feel Emily it hurts I'm like is that what you wanted to happen no what what happens when you challenge people that are strong and like out in the real world you you might not be able to judge strength the right way or be able to judge their resolve or be able to judge their training they yeah. could be in jujitsu for the last six years. Yeah. Did you look at that dude has cauliflower ears? Because yeah. that dude's going to rock your yeah. world. Kind of like, you know, like when the football players made fun of that dude in Oklahoma and he was a UFC yeah. guy. You remember that junk? Dude, yeah, I'm an OU fan. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> the quarterback and like two of his linemen walked into a bathroom and started jacking with this dude and he wasn't having it. And that dude. And he gave him a chance to quit. Yeah, I mean, he almost, I mean, I think he ruined that dude's career. Like, that dude, that dude got destroyed. This, this guy was like a trained black belt jujitsu. They took him to court, all kinds of stuff. Like, but all the video and witnesses, like, proved, like, they were messing with that dude. And, like, yeah. three of them, like, two linemen yeah. and a quarterback cornered this dude in the bathroom. And he was a black belt in jujitsu. And he fucked them up. Like, he broke that quarterback's, like, orbital, I think. Like, in two seconds. Like, in two seconds. And and this guy was, like, 5'8", 135, 145 pounds soaking wet. And he destroyed those dudes. Like, he wasn't playing around. Like, he had enough. Yeah. And, like, those dudes highly misjudged the situation that they were in. They were drinking at a bar. Thought they were big shit on campus, yep. and guess what? You got wrecked 
Yep. And so I try to explain it to my daughter. You don't know. These are unknowns. And these, these people are out there. There's always somebody badder. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody bigger. There's always somebody ready to show you there's what's already, up. There's always somebody that is smarter than you, badder than you, bigger badass, something. And they're, they're going, if you misread this situation, yeah. you're going to learn. You're going to pay, you're gonna pay so, Piper. Instead of having that chance, Emily, wouldn't it have not been nicer just to be like, hey, Addy, I misjudged. I really don't want to walk around. Would you please open this up for me? I'll do something nice for you this yeah. week. You know, just be, will you please do something nice for me? I, I realize this is a, a nice thing, a favor you're going to do for yeah. me. I owe you a favor. Yeah. Don't you think Absolutely. it would have gone better if it went that way? Yes. Do you see how there's less of the risk there? There's no downside to that. You yeah. might owe her a favor, but the, you're, you're on the same team, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, are you going to threaten somebody and tell them that you're going to come hit them and give them time to prepare again? No. And I'm like, if you hit somebody, you just hit them, right? Yeah. All right, but you're not going to hit anybody because we're using our words now to have better results, right? Yeah. Okay, you can go to your room. So she goes to her room. The older daughter looks over at me and goes, Dad, my hand hurts. And I'm like, I know, you shouldn't hit people. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story, you won on this front, but you still lost on this I know. front. Uh, so, so I said, well, that, was that fun for you to hit her? And I was like, yes, it was. Now your hand hurts. Is that something you want to take? As a, as a gymnast who swings on bars and uses her hands to hold her upside down and yeah. like, is that something you want to risk injuring that your whole career might be over or your season might be in jeopardy? No. Is it worth it? No. Life lessons. And Lori's like, I don't understand what you just taught them. I'm like, I just taught them they can stand up for themselves if they want to or they can make better choices and de-escalate the situation and not yeah. have negatives hanging about over there that's unknown. Yeah. She's like, you had UFC Raw going on in the house tonight. <laughs> She's like, there's better ways to teach them. And I'm like, they will remember that forever. Yeah, they're never going to forget that. Well, let's talk about something cool. Like, you're into, you have a lot of cool hobbies. Like, you're a cigar smoker. You're a bourbon drinker. You're a really big car guy, too. Yeah. Because I, I know when I came to pick up, the first time I came to pick up meat at your house, you got a badass Corvette. That is like track ready. I keep asking him, just garage. let me borrow it for a day. Hey man, this shit looks dusty. I mean, he might need someone to start it and make sure that it still runs good. Like I'll bring it back, waxed it, and washed. It was be dirty cool. as shit. Like I, I detail it for him if that's what it takes to drive that car because it looks bad ass. That car is amazing. We have some track records on that car from that's the fastest lap turned by a sports car on the car. We use that for uh, streetcar competitions. Uh, we, we have participated uh, these last couple you, of years. We're going to get I back mean, into it. I mean, you're a big dude. Yeah, like, I'm, a, I'm a little too heavy right now, and, but that's, the, that's part of the sleeperness of it. It was like, here's this big, happy dude. But I'm just going to get in this car and dust your ass. I'm a freaking assassin. <laughs> like, like, and it's funny, and uh, people don't realize it, but like, kind of like the jujitsu like guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm one of those guys that if I do something, I'm going as hard as I can all the way. It is my life. Like, you get in what you put out, you know, and the effort and the things that you want to go to, uh, solely up to you. There's nothing stopping you from being a pro. 
It does it, like like uh, that Gary Vi- Gary uh, Vanderchuk, whatever that v? guy's name is. Gary V. Gary yeah. V. Like when he talks, like that that dude is my homeboy because he's like, you're 40 years old, and so you're sad your life's over. Bitch, you got like two more lives left in you. Yeah, like the way it is, like you're just starting. You have all the time in the world to do whatever it is you want in the world. And so then, like, when I was, uh, it's, it's a weird parallel between the barbecue, too. Because uh, my whole life, uh, because of my father being kind of wild child on fire, special forces, let's, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go big. And, like, we were flying airplanes. We are going fast in ski boats. We were going fast in, like, power boats. We were, like... Yeah. When speed, yeah, speed, is speed, the speed, need. speed, speed, and like you, you know, you might say that like there's like Benjamin Franklin said, uh, "What beer is how we know God loves us." He's incorrect. Benjamin Franklin said, "Beer is how we know God loves us." Yes, that's awesome. But uh, I, I, his his quote is inaccurate because it's internal combustion above all things is what is how God shows us that He loves us, and then not only that He gives us internal combustion, but that He gives other people internal combustion. And they can't use it as well as you can, so you can embarrass them in that in competition. It's truly <laughs> that we know how God loves us. And so uh, when I was, uh, when we were in high school and stuff, we would uh, get a vintage, vintage car racing. It was an autocrossing of Corvettes. Uh, we bought my first Corvette. It was my own. Instead of borrowing people's cars to race in when I was a senior in high school, I still have that car. It's my favorite, one of my favorite things ever. Um, and uh, we would go c- compete and compete and compete. And uh, when I, uh, we uh, first time on a big major road course, went to Hallett, and we got these special racing tires. And we put them on, and we were ready to go. Put them on the trailer. Everything looks awesome. We rolled in the middle of the night. We were like, like got there just done with a driver's meeting and like wiping my eyes because I drove the RV the whole way there while my dad and this other guy slept. And uh, we go for one lap. We'd never tested the car, but when we put weight on the car, the tires ballooned out, rubbed the control arm. So by the time the last turn of the course, my tire blew out, and then, like, it was everything I do to keep from flipping, and then I had to wait. And so there was, like, a weekend wasted, right? But I just blew all my money, and I was very, I was very, I've always been concerned about money because it's rare, and, uh, and when you don't have it, it's, it's a big deal. And so we were always shoestringing everything we did. Like, always shoestringing everything. Everybody have a brand new Corvette they're playing with? We have a 70s Corvette we're playing with. That's okay. That's okay, because I can, it doesn't matter. I'll find a way, and we, we will win. We're like the little dog that runs in your yard, and we'll get in a fight. We might lose. We're going to come back and fight you again. We might lose, come back, fight you again. Eventually, we're going to beat your ass, or it's not worth fighting us anymore. Yeah. You know, people go to other classes. We didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't want my dad to pay for anything. But we were up there in Oklahoma, all these hours away from home, this big trip, this biggest trip I've ever been on and at the time. And uh, so uh, nobody would give me tires. So I asked if somebody wanted to sponsor me. No, we're up here for fun. This is just, we're just goofing off. So I went out and found the freshest looking tires I could find from the tire wall. And then had to pay $200 for them to mount them up. The guy told me they wouldn't even work. And I went out, and I've got, uh, in fact, I found that trophy in storage. Uh, my dad found it in storage uh, a couple years ago, and I put it up in my, my office. We had three first-place finishes in all the races we had that weekend. And I was running on tire wall tires that had been out there on a tire wall for like four years. That's badass. You know, and it was sketchy Still, man, crazy. still around? What's that? Yeah, he's still around. Uh, uh, he's a... Uh, That's awesome. So we, uh, he's at the same place, and... Uh, 
Uh, I don't see as much as I need to. I mean, we, we, we should change. We need that. to get him down here and get him on the show. Yeah, he, he, uh, who knows the crazy sh- stuff he wound up talking. I don't know if that he would remember be some awesome. of that stuff. Yeah, man, he's a. That'd be awesome. He's got stories of like, uh, he, he's got stories from Vietnam that, that you should shake your head because like one of the hell. No, I'm not going to tell his stories. Well, uh, tell it, it, it's, it's do it. it. One night. Uh, they were operating in areas that Richard Nixon said that we were not operating in. Okay. And um, there might have been a warlord's big palace uh, that, was, uh, that wound up crisscrossing us and causing some loss of lives on our side. And uh, one of the executives uh, in, our, in my dad's little group, the Pink Panthers, 361st, my dad was in charge of just making sure everything was good for the night. Well, this dude comes out of nowhere and says, I'm taking six. And he goes, don't write it down. Then he goes, all right. You know, but my dad was also kind of a guy in the platoon where they would send back to Saigon to go steal supplies from other people and bring back to our own stuff. So he, he was kind of like that guy. He was kind of like yeah. face from A-Team or whatever. He'd just go on <laughs> yeah. all this other crazy stuff. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so that guy went and blew up that, that warlord's palace to the ground. Like destroyed it completely, came back, landed on the airplane. Dad refuels it, and like we don't we don't know what happened, you know. And like, Peace <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah, and so then that helped out the effort, and that that, that dude got fucked up. Uh, That's bad. But but he's got all these uh, pictures from him. Uh, one of them uh, I shared with you was that was like, how do you how, how how do you be cool when your dad's the coolest guy in the world? Here he is, like a fighter pilot. His gear on, staring straight at the camera, you know, like in his cockpit. Your dad was maverick. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. for all essential purposes of this conversation, he Top was. Gun, like, your, was. your dad was maverick. He was the baddest of the baddest. He was in the, the most elite group you could ever be in. The, the airship attack helicopters did not exist. They were the first people to fly them in Vietnam. They wrote the book on the, the procedures to use with them and how to attack with them, what to do. That's insane. Three distinguished flying crosses. Uh, bronze stars, uh, you know, 28 air medals. He, Dude, like, that's awesome. Like, I, I'd be honored to have him on the show. If he ever wants to come on, I'd be honored to have him on here. And I'm going to give a quick little shout out to the Bad Words podcast. Y'all go check this out on Rumble. This was Cigar Talk Live. It's now the Bad Words podcast. It's dope as shit. It's on Rumble. Next week, next week, Tuesday. It starts. This one's going to start at like 7 p.m. So, y'all, go get your Rumble account. Go out there and check out Bad Words Podcast. I'm giving them free promo on my show. Robert O'Neill is going to be on their show. A SEAL Team 6 member. This is the guy that pulled the trigger and shot Osama Damn. Bin Laden. This dude is, I mean... I bought a ticket. I know it's sold out already. I, I would encourage you guys to come see it, but it's sold out. They don't even know how they're going to, like, take care of everybody that bought a ticket to come in and watch this show next week. But Robert O'Neill is coming in town and is going to be on their podcast. I'd love to have him on mine sometime, but we're not there yet. But we're getting there. But Robert O'Neill, the dude that shot Osama Bin Laden. Pulled the trigger. That dude. Written like two books. They're badass. Check it out. Watch Bad Words Podcast next week.
But so Oklahoma was your first race. Yep. I, dude, you've raced. I've seen your pictures and trophies and stuff like that. You've raced all over the U.S. at like the most badass tracks, California, wherever else. I'm not a, I mean, I'm a car guy, but I'm not in the race world. Tell us, like, so how did how so, did this just keep evolving? I, I, I went away to college, and I was I was real I was real determined in life not to be the kid that like lives off their parents, even though my parents are doing okay. I don't feel like your dad would ever have allowed that either. I think he would have because he's got the sickness for speed that I have too, you know. So he he'd be willing to do something like that, but uh, but I, I I didn't want you know you see the like the losers that go, I don't want to say losers, but the guys that no, that's important to say. All right. There are fucking losers in this world. Not everything gets a trophy or a participation trophy. Like I'm a firm believer in this, and like this shit drives me nuts. There are lessons to be learned from losing. You fail. You lose. Yeah. Like that's a hardship. You gain strength and knowledge from that. Not Agreed. everybody should be handled a trophy. Like so, my little brother, I'll never forget this. My little brother was handed a like second place trophy from his like all star league that he was in. And while we were walking back to the car, my little brother, who I'm going to say he was 10 or 12 at this time, threw the medal in the trash, and my dad lost his shit. Like, literally lost his shit. Like, what are you, what, you're going to be disrespectful like that? And you're throwing that in the trash? Like, I don't want a second-place trophy. Like, we didn't win. Like, this means nothing. You know what? Like, I gave him mad props for that. Like, that is, that is real. Like, all right, yeah, you didn't win. Like, was he a sore loser? No. He shook everybody's hand on that team. Yep. He wasn't going to go home and put this on his shelf, this second-place trophy. There are right. winners and losers in life. You have to learn from losing to succeed. I agree. And that's what I say is that every time that I've lost, I didn't really lose because I learned something and was better for it. Mm -hmm. So either you won and you better learn something and you win, too. Absolutely. Or you've got a chance to do something better. And the only time that you ever lose is when you just give up and quit. Yeah, don't and so quit. The epitome to losing to me is that, oh, finding a job is hard, so I'm just going to play video games in my mom's basement. Like, that is not helping your life. That is just escaping, and it's delaying the greatness that is inside of you and the greatness that you can obtain that is out there for all of us. We live in a country that is able, even though they try to make it harder and harder, you're able to do whatever you want to do to pursue and you have a chance to be great in that. And it's wasted on drugs, alcohol, distractions, women. Uh, and it can be distracted on great things like doing like charity work or, 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 or doing things that keep you from your best. So part of it is you need to be able to go out and go out and achieve. And you need to find what that is. And like just because you're good at something also doesn't mean that that is what you were meant to do. It just means you're good at it. It might not hit your button. So continually look for things that, you know, like, is, is the, the end-all, be-all. And then because of your energy and your attitude towards that, you're unstoppable. 
you know, if you if you put that into place. But if you if you just if you run into some building blocks and you treat them as stumbling blocks, and then you make them into pillows, you're you're a loser. You know, so it doesn't absolutely se- second place to me is okay. That's the you know that's okay. I did better than thirty other people. However, the ultimate goal is the top step, and then it's uncommon to be on the top step. But yet we've got trophies and trophies and trophies and trophies. Because, and it's not because, it's, let me back up. You have to have talent in what you do, but then you have to develop your talent into skill. Yeah. Okay? And then to be more skillful, and then, and then past being skillful and being talented, then you have to re- turn that into preparation. Are you prepared? Have you maximized your prep so you're able to accomplish what you want to accomplish and the machinery that you're using and the things that you're using? Have you tested it? Have you, have you put it through stress test? Have you, looked yeah. for, have you pushed it to failure so you find the failure points and fix those before that it happens when it really matters? Same thing with your children. Same thing with everything. You push them into situations into failure so that you can build on that when it doesn't matter, when it's, when it's now in preparation and it's not on the stage. It's not in the limelight. It's not your first job. It's not your first time in a car. It's not your... First time public speaking. It's not your first time. Absolutely doing something. So, uh, I uh, I took a break when I got in college. I didn't want to use my parents' money, and then I was dead ass broke, uh, just, just trying to survive. Growing up, you know, there was times where I had twelve dollars in the account, and there's three hundred dollars more due, and we have no food, and it's the middle of the month. Like, and so it's like, all right, I'm not above mowing yards. I'm not above helping people move. I'm not above doing side projects and things I love to do. It's just people don't know that I can make videos for them. Or, you know, so then I go around, like, anything you got, I want to, uh, let me do something for you. If you don't mind blessing me or feed me or blah, blah, blah. You know, and things come together. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens to In my opinion, God blesses you in this. And, like, strange things happen. Like, you get a check in the mail, like, oh, you overpaid this account. Here's $400 back. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, all right. That has happened to me more than one. That is so facts right there. And I think this is a good point to go back to barbecue. I I know a lot of people really tuned in to hear you talk about barbecue. Let's talk about that a little bit, too. Because I think this is the perfect transition because everybody can... I'm going to say everybody, but a lot of people can throw something on the grill or the smoker and your family and friends tell you, oh, this is the greatest I ever had. This is this and that. Oh, this is so good. So good. They don't want to be true friends and tell you that shit sucked or whatever, even when it does. Like, I mean, I've, I've done Wagyu steaks that I made it with my wife the weekend before and I was like, this was the shit. And then I invite people over and do the same damn thing the next week. And it just and I'm sitting there going, this wasn't as good. Like, I don't know what I fucked up this week. Right. Like, it just wasn't good. Like, I'm disappointed. They're still telling me it's great. But I'm like, man, if they could have just had last weekend steak. So you jump. I mean, and, and I know we're not going to get into this super deep. But, like, I would love to know where you made the decision to go, I'm going to do sharing my meat. Like, sharing my meat, 
like I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go at this like I, I'm gonna do this even if it's a side hustle for now or I have bigger vision for this like where did you make that jump because I'm sure for years you heard I mean I can only imagine what it was like on your scale man Mark that steak you made me was fucking amazing or hey Mark those brisket bombs you made were the shit or man that's the best damn brisket i've ever had in my life and then where you flipped the switch and said okay i believe in myself in this and i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna take this to the next level take us through that process Mm. because and, and and maybe even tell a little bit about like what your setup is now because i don't even want to try to describe it like this background y'all see behind us, his smoker is like 10 feet longer than what is behind us. Like I'm definitely not is, compensating for anything, I promise. It, it is like the most insane thing I've ever seen on a trailer that he had built. Like, I don't know how he hauls it around. He must have like an F-450 or something I haven't seen that he like hauls it around with because this thing is insane. Like... <laughs> I don't even have words for it. Well, thank you for the compliment. So, what's funny is that the barbecue is just like the car racing. When I got back into car racing, I was just like, well, this is fun and I'm good at it. But I'm nothing special because we all think we're good at random stuff. You know, we always... Yeah. What's the, what's the, what's the effect when you first do something, you think you're awesome? Yeah. And then when you get into it more, you realize you suck completely and then you become awesome again. And you, you, the Donnie Krugel climb. effect or something. Uh, what's, what's the... I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. The, my wife would probably, Sarah, please chime in here. You probably know this for us. But, uh, you know, when you first do something, you're like, oh, man, I'm awesome. And then you, when you realize you're only here, that gives you a chance to then to go and be awesome within time. Uh, but with the car racing, I started off, um, you know, didn't think I was special. And then instantly I was put in expert groups. I was put, and then I got private coaching, and I was dedicated to it completely. Yeah, and then from that I became a private coach, and then we went into racing. We won all our local area racing. We won all our won all our regional level stuff, and then we went pro racing. We went international. We got taken to different places. We got to go to the Nurburgring and Spa uh, in Germany with uh, some VIPs and teaching people executives, executives from Apple how to uh, how to drive, and uh, and just had a time of our lives. And that was, and then we were winning all of our races, or a lot of our races. We never not, everywhere we went, we always got a trophy no matter what. It was crazy. It was just because we were so prepared, and we had, and we did such a good job. And, you know, I was, uh, and then from that, I, I got more opportunities to be uh, 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 the, the chief instructor from a, uh, the, the largest track day organization in the country, in the world. So I get flown across the country to go to tracks and teach classrooms and drive people in cars. Um, and I want to ride in a car with you. Let's go. Anytime you want to. Uh, I've, I know all the track owners out here. We can get in anywhere you want to go. There's one right there, and there's a toll uh, wheel over I here. I'm this. just saying. So uh, uh, and I, we've given some of our mutual friends rides and had them squeal like girls. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but the same I want to be Kevin Hart. Like, have you seen that video of Kevin Hart where he's on the road coaster and Jimmy mm, Kimmel puts yep. him on the road coaster? That's probably going to be me. I'll put this up for you guys. If Mark takes me out in his car, I'll, I'll put the camera up and everything, and we can, like, get live reaction on this. We'll have, you'll have a fun time. I used, to do, I used to have, like, I was full on, like, GTR owner. I had, like, four cameras, and, like, three of them were inside the car just to watch people just, like, 
you know, talk to themselves. They're like, uh, one of my favorite videos ever, this F1 champion gave his wife a ride in the car, and she's just screaming mad at him the whole time, like, please, for the love of God, slow yeah. down in Portuguese. And finally she realizes there's cameras, and she's like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so the same thing happened with barbecue, right? It's just like, we all think that, uh, as men, we're good at what we do cooking for our families. Yeah. And luckily for us, most of us are good at cooking for our families. And that's a great feeling and that's a great thing because that's something we can all build on. So I was like, just because I think I'm good, everybody thinks they're good. It doesn't really matter. Right. Right. And so then I started cooking in Austin. And, and Austin to me is like the, now the new home base of good barbecue. Uh, yeah, it's, you it's have Blacks, you have all this stuff down Long there. Long Barbecue, Brotherton's, Franklin's, Franklin's. everything. Ooh. Interstellar Barbecue style switch. Even old, even old school, like um, uh, Salt Lake. It's not really great barbecue, but it's a great, it's an example of how it's not the best barbecue, but you have one of the best experiences there because it's simplicity of how it is. You know, like, yeah, you go out there, hang out with a cooler beer, listen to a band under these gigantic trees. You finally get to eat some barbecue. You have a great time, and then, like, the day's over. This is wonderful. Uh, but um, from that, uh, I was making friends with some people, and uh, this big green egg dealer, uh, I made him some food, and he's like, this is the best I've ever had in my life. I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks for being nice. And he's like, no, seriously. If I gave you some Yetis and some big green eggs, would you go around and cook and, and tell people to buy food here? So then I started getting sponsored to do this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm happy to. So we went around and doing that. And uh, then I thought one day I'll be a competition cook. And then once we win some competitions, we'll get our name out and you know, we'll actually sell some barbecue. And, uh, but again, the, the thought was always still like, even though I, I'm good at this and everybody loves it, am I, really, am I really special? Probably not. It's just, I really like it. But then I started going around to all the top 50 restaurants in the state. I might hit 13 restaurants in one day, and we'd go with other barbecue store owners. Like Tim Hutchins would get in the car with me, and then we would go and, and taste. And then we'd taste his food, and we'd he'd come over on Tuesday nights, and we'd cook stuff in our kitchen and talk about different stuff and go back and forth. And um, it finally becoming, it finally got to the part where it was like, you know, like, I, I, really, I really could taste every little thing. Like cigars, I taste... I taste as much as anybody else, maybe more. But there's some guys in here that are like, did you feel that nutmeg? And I'm like... You've been hanging out with Brandon uh, too uh, much. Nutmeg? Uh, no. Uh, nutmeg? Yeah. Uh, you know? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, if you say it, then all of a sudden, like, Brandon... Brandon Franks is the most... What's the best way to say this, Biz? Like, his vocabulary. Like, Brandon can tell a story. Like, I always said, like... If I couldn't have Morgan Freeman tell my story, <laughs> I want Brandon Frakes to tell my story. At the Brandon end of the day, can make a bowl of rabbit shit sound delicious. I mean, like, Brandon can talk about paper mache and make it sound so elegant and so, like, I want to go do this. Like, I need to do this now. I, I need this in my life. Like, yeah. Brandon was blessed with this gift of being able to talk and make you want to feel or hear or experience whatever it is Brandon is talking about. So if you smoke a cigar with Brandon, and anybody else, that, like it's funny, when, when new people get hired at ICC, I always laugh, like they just had their first day with Brandon. Because they'll be like, 
man, do you like get the like blueberries and the essence of this cigar? And like, it's like, all you right, can really you, tell it's Ecuadorian, can't yeah, you? Yeah, it's like you went through Brandon 101. Like, hey, bro, do not try to be Brandon. Like, there's only one Brandon Frakes. Like, don't try to do this. Like, it's nobody can sound as genuine as Brandon. I get the essence of Portuguese toenails. Uh, with a little bit of rosemary, yeah. with a slight bit of coffee. Yeah, I, yes, uh, you know, Brent, Brent is like, you can tell this is a, they rolled this one in the morning because the, the workers are yeah. still. You can taste so the dew on buzz. it, like the dew that was there in the morning when these guys were rolling, in, like the the coffee bean notes from their breath that was exhaled <laughs> on the cigar. I mean, I, I'm making fun of this, but like. This is serious. Like, he is truly gifted at this. Like, He's a stud. But you can't do that with everything. And then he turns around and looks at you. So what are your thoughts on the cigar? Uh, well, fuck uh, all. I can shit. taste his coffee beans <laughs> now. You <laughs> talked about the morning dew and the coffee. It's That's on fire. All it's, it's on fire. Morning dew and coffee beans. That's good. a t-shirt. Right, we gonna, next time we see B.A., man, what's up? Morning doing coffee beans. Oh, morning doing coffee beans. <laughs> I just gave you all your next T-shirt. Like, morning doing I want a sponsorship, beans. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got that way with brisket, and I got that way uh, very quickly. Uh, and then I, then I just started cooking a bunch. And, uh, uh, and I got the processes refined, and I watched a, uh, how everybody else in the world did it. I probably, uh, you know, my wife made fun of me with the racing videos because I would watch one of my videos... And I'd watch it a hundred times. And she's like, you're going around in circles. What's the big deal? I know, but look on the third lap. I missed it by three inches. I, I can do better. Yeah. And she's like, seriously? Your own worst critic. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And like, like and that's what I talk to people about when they, when they first start doing things too. You're not going to be uh, like, my daughter is an amazing gymnast. Okay. Amazing. She can do a handstand for five hours and then walk around and do push-ups while she's doing handstands and stay inverted the whole time she's doing this and flip her legs back and forth for as long as she wants to. Or like we went to Lake Powell and she got up wake surfing her second try. She got up skiing her second, third try and stayed and like she's just an amazing athlete and control of her body completely. Okay? If you try to be like her immediately, you just see what she's doing now. You don't. You didn't see. You didn't see the progress. The eight years of six days a week, forty hours a week in a gymnasium, continually training and working out, mm-hmm. just to be able to do this. And so, what I try you, to, you get the instant gratification that like social media and everything shows. So what I try to tell people when you when you when you embark on something that you love and, and you like, it is okay to define your your successes with like big margins so like in, in like in the car racing world um if i don't if i'm not here on a specific point on the track and break at a specific point and then release as i do something else and then come in and barely clip the apex in a certain way and if i miss it by a half a, a half an inch it's wrong and it's trash and i and i, I messed up and i need to do better this is un- inconceivable to somebody that's their first day on track. Like, somebody's first day on track, like their first time out, like if they stay off the grass, great job. Okay, so you have to have your, uh, you may miss the apex by this much, but you're driving the right line now, okay? 
So yeah. you're doing a great job. And then as we get better, we define our successes in narrower margins. Margins. Like if you're a shooter, you're, you're shooting 1,000 yards, you, you hit a, a two-foot-by-two-foot plate on your first shot, you're excited about it. Yeah. Later in life, after you've put 1,000 rounds to the same thing, you expect to hit you know, a three-inch-by-three-inch section of that plate. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes absolute sense. Okay. So the same thing with barbecue. Um, it, may, it may look right, it may feel right, and then it's dry. Or it's perfectly wet, but then the bottom is stiff. Or the... There's so many that's what she the, said the, in here. The, I'm the just going to let that slide for the show. The smoke, the smoke overpowers it. You've got too much smoke on the meter. It's the wrong kind of smoke or wrong kind of wood. Or like, I can take some, a piece of brisket and I can tell you what kind of smoke they use, what kind of wood, what kind of spices on it, how much of the ratios of the spices are on it, what methods they use to cook it, just because like, that's kind of like my life. That's what I'm into. And how, how did you start playing around with that? And how do, you, how do you go about experimenting with rubs? Because a lot of people, like myself included, I buy rubs from every place you can imagine. Like this last weekend, I smoked three racks of baby ribs, sweet baby ribs. Good. Every single rib, I use a different combination of rubs and a different combination of sauce. Right. Just to see which one I like the best. How does somebody at your level, how do you approach that? And Because you make your rubs from scratch. And from the very first time Mark Sharon said, I'm going to try this rub, what went into that thought process? And how did you, how, how did you start with the first rub to the rub you're at now? Because I know you and I talked about this when I was out there watching you pull stuff off and you're like, there's times my wife and I have sat here and we've made these huge batches of rubs. Cause when you cook on this monster Goliath smoker, you've got 20 briskets going on here and you've gone out there and done your rub and your seasoning and all this stuff on here. And you've been like that shit I'm trashing. 20 briskets like or you know like I, th this luckily, is not what luckily, i'm giving to my luckily people i'm not doing that as much anymore there might be one but when you started yeah. but but when i started i was starting on smaller numbers and it's mostly for my own family yeah but here's what i do like you get a bunch of chicken strips and then like say you went out and like i did this like six months ago because uh, a new rub came out from meat church that everybody was talking about they love so much which one texas sugar oh Texas sugar is one of my go-tos. So I put that on my nachos now a little bit sometimes. Nachos. Yeah. So what I did is, uh, but then I was like, oh, well, Jess Prowse, I like, I like all of her stuff. Oh, Killens from Houston, one of, the, one of the best OG barbecue places in Houston. Okay. They come out of the rub now. Let me take that. Oh, Goldie's finally put their rub out. Let me try their rub. And so I was in there, and I, I bought like seven. I was, went there to get one. I came out with eight. You know, so then what do we do? We get a bunch of chicken. And we rub them all with the different ones and have them in certain orders, cook them all the same way, bring them back in, get the whole family, get people around us, and then we cut them up in pieces. And on camera, we'll say what we think we like about it and don't like about it. You know, it's funny, the Texas sugar rub went away. Like, it was our favorite rub. It looked the best, like in our hands, like taste test. It's pretty good. But then it needs four times as much rub on it to have any effect because it just disappears, sweated out, disappears from the chicken. It's a lot, yeah. And so, but then like we found others, and then so from there you can 
you slowly develop what your profile is, what you like, and what you go for. And again, I watched every video there was because when I first started, I had some, some tips from some OG guys and some, some other backyard guys. And my brisket rub probably had 23 ingredients. 23 ingredients in It your was rub. insane. And so what I tell people now is that's trash. That is trash. Like, and buying people's rubs is okay. It makes a lot of people a lot of money. In fact, I'm going to sell you my rub eventually, and you should enjoy it because it's the best. You'll love it with all your heart. Buy all you can of it. Don't make your own. Just buy mine. Uh, but uh, Or come to one of my invite things, and, uh, yeah, you're probably going to eat Mark Sharon's meat. I'm not going to actually sweat over my grill <laughs> or my pellet grill and do that. I'm going to call Mark and go, oh, I got X amount of people showing up. Let's go. But what it is is simplicity. So I went back to when you eat something, when you eat a piece of beef, you want to taste the beef. Yeah. So that needs to be one of the first things you taste. And if you're eating smoked meats, you want to taste smoked, but not much of it. You just want hints of it. Yeah. So what people really screw up on is they, they try to put a whole bunch of smoke on it, and it tastes like an ashtray, and it tastes bitter because yeah. it has this creosite on it. So we designed our smoker so that, like, you can't even see the smoke. When people walk up, they don't realize it's on. You have to look at the shadow on the ground to see all the stuff coming out this gigantic pipe. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, that's actually running right and now. And how, how big is it? I've made reference to it. How big is your smoker? Uh, Tell people about the specs on your smoker. So it's a 1,000-gallon propane tank. 1,000 gallons. That we put a 14-foot-tall, 14-inch stack on. It's one of the biggest stacks you'll ever see. People argued with me that it's too big and that we would have a problem because the air would flow up and cool and it would dampen. But it's not. It sucks it straight out. And it's go. You look at industrial smokestacks, they can be 60 feet tall. Yeah. You know, so you want a big smokestack. And what you'll see now is that the number one mod that people are doing now that I've, I've, I've shown this, and it's not just me. I think other people, I was one of the first ones, but people are, are picking up on it. They've gone and bought dryer vents. And so now they're just cheap Oklahoma Joe smoker that they have here. Now has this dryer vent that people put over this 18-inch smokestack. Now that goes seven feet up in the air. And it makes all their stuff easier to cook and the temperature stays the same and it's a lot better. So correct your smoke. And then the same thing uh, with how I'm trying to get the taste down. In Texas, I have, it's most, my rub is mostly uh, like, uh, let's, if I was using cut measurements instead of like barrel measurements, I would probably put in three cups of pepper to two cups of salt for brisket. And then I'm talking tablespoons of everything else, like a tablespoon of uh, pap smoked paprika. I don't like chili powder, so I very, use very little of it. Uh, I use powdered onions and powdered garlic to give it a little, little something. And then I notice that my bark sets up way nicer if I just have a little bit of brown sugar in there. And everybody talks about they don't do that. You go down and read everybody's, yeah. it's, it's, it's in there. And then salt and pepper, nothing else. Horseshit. Yeah. Because at the very minimum, they're using Lowry season salt. But mine, I'm using regular just salt. And then it, it, it took me six years of continually tweaking to get there. And even now, the, the, I might get a salt in a slightly larger granule. You can't use the same measurements because it, it, you have to use weight because of how it affects and how it sits on the brisket. Or it's uh, super humid. And for some reason, stuff's tasting differently. So you have to taste it and then adjust on the fly, too, because everything changes the dynamic. You have to be dynamic with it. So if you want it to be consistent, 
So here's what I'll back up and say too. Once you become great at something and your, your judgment of error and what you want to be is tiny, then you're operating in a very narrow window of success. It's perfect or it's shit. Right? Yep. That's right now, if, you, if this is your second or third time to smoke a brisket, it's edible or I can, I can barely get it down and it sort of tastes good, that's a win. You cooked a brisket. Yeah. But as you become awesome, it's either perfect or shit. And it's a very small window. How do you gauge that on smoke rings, too? Like- smoke rings, to me, don't matter. Uh, I'll always have a little bit of, uh, you usually have a quarter inch of a smoke ring. Uh, but that is something that you can fake by using too much smoke, ruining the taste. Yeah. So you, you go for taste first. But so when you look at, so the other thing that I've realized, too, the psychology, uh, coming from sales, coming from all that, I realized that part of, part of the spectacle, part of the way that you taste is you roll up and you see us acting crazy in front of this huge smoker. So first of all, your mindset. Your eyes, your eyes have already started to taste. Yeah. And then what hits you next? The smell. You, you start smelling it. You're like, oh my God, this smells better than I've ever smelled before. You're already eating and tasting with your yeah, nose. Yeah, you live a little far from me and riding home to bring your food to my guests at my house is the longest 45 <laughs> minute ride in my car ever in the world it is absolute <laughs> effing torture so then you can see it again when it comes out of the wrapper and it's dripping in juices and the bark's perfect and i cut it open and you can see how it moves and it jiggles but then yet it's not overcooked it stays together when you test it and then it pulls apart perfectly then it just hits your mouth and the texture everything taste all at one time after witnessing that you just can't but help just like have a full body taste orgasm. Your tongue just yeah. goes into like it's legit, man. Like what you do with that smoker is unreal. So here's the deal. Once you're able to do that, same thing with car racing. I can drive the line really good and I can be exactly where I want to be. Can you do that every time for an hour now? Or can you do that every time for a lap? Yeah. Can you do that for every time for three laps in a row? Ten laps in a row, an hour in a row. Can you do that on every brisket? Can you do that on the three briskets, the 10 briskets, the 20 briskets? Can you do that on the 20 briskets four days in a row after you're tired of cooking? Like, are your st- do your standards change? Do your work ethic change? Do you take shortcuts? Because those shortcuts are long cuts. Absolutely. So I'll tell everybody everything that I do because it's a pain in the ass. And a lot of times people call me back, oh yeah, I didn't do that, I just did this instead. Okay, cool. How was it? Oh, it was great. My family liked it. Was it the same? No. Okay. But it was good enough for you? Yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. That's all I want. All right, good for you. Good job, man. Yeah, lots to be said about that. All right, I'm getting a lot of questions here. Right, I'm maybe. supposed to ask you about your hot sauce collection. Holy crap. Who has... Uh, that would be Adrian. All right, so one whole side of my, uh, uh, part of this too is uh, there's a show on uh, YouTube called First We Feast, and it's the Hot Ones. And they take a celebrity and they interview them by the time they're, they're eating hot wings. And so, but each wing is a different, 10 wings, 10 different sauces. Yeah. And I fell in love with this, watching celebrities suffer and like still ask these crazy questions. And like then I've always been a kind of a hot person. My wife, on the other hand, vanilla ice cream can be spicy to her depending on what type of ice cream oh, she gets. Oh, our wives are the same people. 
We almost got a divorce one time because I said something wasn't spicy. She took a bite, lit on fire, died, accused me of doing it on purpose, and was yelling at me in the restaurant. I can relate to this. And it was, the funniest part about it is that so that my dad and mom maybe had about four or five margaritas. So they're egging it on and just making her like just like he probably did he probably yeah like oh is that is it too spicy for you lori and like the, the waiter comes by and he goes do you know why they call it tacos musicas because it makes you go ay, 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 ay. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts singing and so she's like you did it on purpose and so finally my my mom goes will you get her some ice cream just make her feel better so she gets this little bitty just little bitty cup just like a little bitty like three spoons of ice cream and so then I go over to steal some ice cream, being the, the kind husband that I am. And she basically stabs me with her uh, spoons. And, like, she's, like, she's full-on rage. Like, we're getting a divorce. This is my ice cream. <laughs> like, I don't know where you're sleeping tonight, but it ain't anywhere near me. And then so then my, my, my mom then says, oh, my poor son needs some ice cream, too, because he wants some. She gets me some ice cream. The guy brings up this fancy dish. With whipped cream and sprinkles <laughs> and cherries. And she lost her stuff. <laughs> Why did she get that? I'm yeah. like, this is mine. Stay away, woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't get a Sunday. I got two, a scoop of ice cream. But I'm not, I'm not a total sucker. I wind up sharing. So. All right. <laughs> All right. But, um, he shares his meat. He shares his ice cream. So Moral of the story. I wound up buying some hot sauce. And then I realized that these are amazing. And then I wind up buying, I probably have 200 bottles of various sauces. But now because of that, again, you sample everything. And then you narrow it down to like, here's the eight or 10 bottles that are, are exquisite. Yeah. And that are specifically paired for certain reasons. Here's the three that are on this type of breakfast taco, if you cook it this way or this way or this way. Or here's what we use. And like, so I have this one bottle that is uh, Poyer. He's the uh, uh, UFC guy. Yeah, Dustin Poirier. He makes a hell of a hot sauce, like a Tabasco really? style I've hot sauce. Really? I've been wanting to order it. I've it thought about it. It is fantastic. All right. And so I'm that's in. the hot sauce I use in making my vinegar uh, uh, sauce that we have here for you tonight for the pulled pork. So we have hot sauces in some of the, uh, the hot sauce and some of the sauces we make. But we would have never got to the exact profile if we hadn't tried every single thing and, and, and like been able to distinguish yeah. and get through it all. And now it's to the point where Lori, and, it's, and, and if it was up to me and by myself, stuff would be way more spicy. It'd have a kick to it. To me, barbecue should have a, a kick. I make scrambled eggs, and my wife's like, you put too much pepper in this. Yeah. My, like, I, I want to see blackness on top of my... I'm like, well, know. I put Cholula in it, too. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell yeah, you This that, one's mine. But... You, that one's yours. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but now we've got a... a, a I've, I've balanced my, my barbecue to the point now where it has that for me in a way, but it's so subtle and it's so nice, but then the barbecue is still accessible to people that are spice-averse. Yeah, absolutely. Even, I mean, my, my wife, she's giving you all kinds of praises on here. She's like, ladies and gentlemen, you have the pleasure of being in the presence of a culinary mastermind. Take notes. Literally a comment from I my wife. I appreciate you. Uh, and what I'll also say, too, is that in growing up, and like, how do you know that, like, how do you know you're so good? In my family, my cousin is, uh, he, he's like, he's the, he was always in fine dining. And so he always worked for the best chefs in the world. He was in New York City working for Daniel Balud. And so in our family, he's the chef. He's the one you talk to about food. I'm a pissant that knows nothing. 
You're the barbecue and, guy. And so, like, and they, and, but what's funny is that the, my, my family is so prideful that they don't even talk to me about barbecue because they think they're good at it. They really haven't had much of my barbecue. So it's funny. It's like a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. Uh, on Easter, I posted a video that was funny because we just had this huge Easter cook. We cooked for um, uh, hundreds of people, hundreds. And then we were all done. We got it out. We go to, we, we, we decide we can. We got enough energy. We're going to make it to the family gathering. We show up to the family gathering, and they had catered barbecue in from Hutchins. What the hell are y'all doing? Yeah. Like, Hutchins is pretty cool, but I noticed y'all didn't eat very much of it. They were like, and they are like, why didn't you just have for me? Like, we, we didn't want to put you out. I'm like, oh, oh, I thought, you, right. I thought you loved me. Well, we've ran over. I'm apparently just going to have to invite you back for another show. I'm really sad about that. Like, oh, man. Anytime. You and I are going to have to talk again. But we end this show with two questions to everybody. Okay. So, since you have kids, my first question for you is, if you could leave your children with one piece of advice, one Mark Sharon words of advice, what would that be? The world will give you nothing, but there's everything in the world for you to go and take. Uh, if you put in the work, you have the correct attitude, you treat people fairly, you do your best every time, no matter what the circumstance is, you will achieve what you want to achieve. That's fucking awesome. I love that. That'll definitely be a clip you guys see. Second question. It's Common Sense, the podcast. We've shared lots of common sense with people tonight. But maybe I didn't ask you that one question or maybe there's something else weighing on your mind and you just want to share your own two cents and it can literally be about anything. I, I don't give a shit what it's about. Two cents on anything. Your two cents that you would like to share with our audience. To piggyback off of what I told my kids just now, uh, success is what you decide it is. Uh, to be successful uh, and to be accomplished is, is a different thing for each individual to define for themselves. And you can do that no matter what stage you are in life. And you can, def you can go and obtain the level of success that you want to. It is available to you. But remember, opportunity disguises itself as hard work. Figure out how much it costs, write the check, and do it. You will love it. You will love where it takes you. Uh, you can achieve it too. Don't look at other people doing things and wish that that could be you and, that, and, and think it never can be you. Because it is you. We are all the same. And you can do it. Just decide to do it. And, and don't take no as an answer and go and do it. Do the work that it takes to do it. Is it your building block or is it your stumbling block? I think that's the greatest lesson that was given tonight out of two hours plus that we sat here and chopped shop tonight. But is it your building block or is it going to be your stumbling block? You decide. Folks, I want to thank you for staying with us on this episode, watching this all the way through. I hope you guys all enjoyed this. We're going to be on a two-week hiatus because my 10-year anniversary comes up next week. Woo. And 
You know, it happens to fall on when I would normally record the show. And I'm going to go celebrate that with my wife. We hit the 10-year mark. Can we, I request a show in the future then? Yeah, you get a, you can have a show go, anytime you no, want. Go celebrate that with your wife. But then let's have a show with your wife where you talk about what it takes to be a 10-year person. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That, that, man, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if everybody else is ready for that because we've been through it all. Like my my wife is my rock, and you know what? Like, I couldn't ask for a better person to support me in all the crazy ass shit I do. Because <laughs> I'm one of those people, man. I, I'm all in or I'm all out. Like, you get me, you get what I'm putting out there. Like, that's you're getting all of it. Like, if I'm not into it, I, man, you're gonna know I'm not into it. I mean, I, I feel like people would see that or know that from the show as well. Like, if, if I'm not into it, you you know I'm not into it. If, if I thought, I mean, and I would never invite somebody on here that I couldn't vibe with or do that with because that's just bullshit. Like, we're not, we're not putting that out there. But there is a big announcement tonight. So you oh. guys have two weeks because I'm going to be off the air for two weeks solid. Like, I'm taking a hiatus. Biz and I are both doing our thing. Well, I'm not sure I know what up in, but the week after, we're celebrating our 26-year anniversary. Ooh. Yeah. Biz has got a big one coming yeah. up. He's also got a birthday coming yeah, up, Yeah, my birthday's too. like three days after that. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Like, well, well, we won't talk yeah, about his that's birthday. That's just another day. This was our 20th uh, anniversary this year. We've yes. all been in jail for a, quite a long time. My jail's really nice, though. I really like it. I've been over there. your house. Your jail is pretty cool. <laughs> she she makes it. She makes She's it. She's all right. Listen, she takes care of me. She puts up with everything, like y'all said. Uh, and truly, uh, if it wasn't for her, none of this would be here. I have to say the same. So I'm going to say this too. So I'm giving you guys two weeks. So it's come to my knowledge. It's a little harder for us to judge this. Because of the amount of followers we have and the multiple platforms that we broadcast across. And I don't, I don't want to change this up and lose traction, but I feel like we're being shadow banned because of some of the stuff we talk about. Maybe it's the language. Maybe it's me getting hammered sometimes with my good friends. Speaking real talk to you guys. I don't know. We enjoy cigars. We sit down, have some pours, and we try to share knowledge with you guys. So with that being said, I'm officially announcing that when we come back, you're not going to see this live on Facebook or or YouTube. Our live is going to be on Rumble. I've already set up the account. You guys, please go get on Rumble. Look up Common Sense, the podcast. It's on Rumble. It's easy to follow. Same thing I told you guys. Also ask that you follow Bad Words podcast. It's dope. You guys hear me talk about industrial all the time. Those are my good friends. You're going to see Brandon, who can say the most elegant things about anything. Morning doing coffee. You'll have Adrian on there. You'll have Pops. And 
like like I said, next week they're gonna have Robert O'Neill from Still Team Six. This guy pulled the trigger on Osama bin Laden. So I'm just saying, y'all want to see badass podcasts where they don't censor us, they don't shut us down, they don't shadow block us, all this other bullshit that I can't even figure out, but go to Rumble. Please set up an account. Follow Common Sense the podcast. Follow Bad Words podcast. I highly recommend it. I mean, I don't know what else to say. You will still see we will post to Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all the stuff you guys can find our podcast on. It will still be there. It's just not going to be the live version. So if you want to be more involved, you want to see the live, you want to interact with us, you want to ask questions, you want to be involved, do that. Because the same thing's going to happen when I drop the music one. When the music podcast comes out, it's all going to be on Rumble. You guys are going to have to go there. That one's going to be subscription-based. Common sense will always be common sense, and it'll be free for you guys to watch and enjoy. And same thing when the music one comes out. You guys can listen to the podcast. The podcast part will be free. You want to hear the music show afterwards? That's subscription-based. If you're in the DFW area and you want to come to the show, you'll get early invites to buy tickets, come to the show, see that, be a part of it. You'll be there. So with that, I'll see you guys in two weeks. Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Would you mind if I give a plug real fast for yeah, what we do? Yeah, give it. Go for it. Hey, guys, uh, we cook a lot of barbecue. I think you'd be impressed with it. Most of our comments are it's the best they've ever had in their life. I, I promise you it's worth trying. Order the brisket uh, bombs and uh, the beans. Uh, we normally say we're, we're cooking for people for orders only on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there, and then we sell out pretty quick. But also, Sharing my meat. Reach out to us, and uh, also for events, we love helping schools and organizations, churches. Um, we can cook for up to uh, several thousand real easy, um, and uh, we'd be happy to cater uh, parties that you have. Uh, we just love, we'd love the chance to earn your business. And I promise you, you will not go wrong checking this dude out. Sharing my meat. Look it up. S-H-E-R-R-I-N. Sharing my meat. Go check this dude out. If you're ever invited to one of my private events, you're going to eat this man's barbecue. I can almost guarantee you because I'm not going to do it myself. I'm going to be the lazy guy, and I'm going to call my buddy, and I'm going to say, go. Here's how many people we have. Do your thing because... I can't outdo on my own stuff what this guy does. But I'm telling you, if you order from sharing my meat, order the brisket bombs, order the beans, and you best get some of his ribs and brisket. Like, I mean, you're going to order the ribs and the brisket. Get the beans, get the brisket bombs. My wife said it like, I don't know, 20 times in my comment section here. That'll tell you they're not spicy. They're 
They're sweet and spicy. They're savory. There's a pound of bacon for every three pounds of beans. <laughs> and my wife doesn't eat beans, but she eats his beans. That's all I'm going to say. But thank you for being a part of the show. We really appreciate it. We'll see you in two weeks. Y'all have a good time. And again, don't forget those people out in Lahaina and Hawaii. I'm wearing this. I'm wearing this in support of my brother. You know, my little brother lives out there. I said it earlier in the show. I know I'm going way over. Biz is like rubbing his head like ready to kill me. But I'm going to say it again. If you guys can do anything to support the people in Lahaina, please do so. If you're an American or another foreign person that listens to my show, because I know we get some people from overseas, in the next six months, if you are planning to travel to Maui, do not travel to Maui. They do not need tourists right now. Use your insurance. Use whatever. Trade your tickets in. Go see one of the other beautiful islands in Hawaii. Go do that. Enjoy it. But if you can send any kind of support, clothes, food, money, whatever, please do that. The people in Lahaina need it. That They need your love and support right now. I'm all about that. I'm behind that 1,000%. And if you can do anything, like, do that. Bless those people. Like, go look at the pictures on the internet. People died in their cars on the one highway going in and out of the city. Like, it, it is, it is like, it looks like doomsday. Like, go look at it for yourself. But do not be one of the people that tries to travel out there. It's it's not worth it right now. Go go visit one of the other islands. But if you can provide any type of support or help to Lahaina in Maui, please do so. I encourage you to do so. And that's all I can ask. But until we see you in two weeks, peace. Love you guys. <laughs>